Good evening! We are back. Another world is awaiting the righteous coming of the Space Wars of the Emperor and Korn's most wrathful vengeance. We are the two peas. We're back in our pod. Good evening, Ben. Evening, mate. How are you? I'm I'm getting more excited, mate. I've got my coffee in my corn mug here, ready to drink <laughs> it. So we'll get a crescendo, I think, as we go through. <laughs> And going through tonight, we've got loads of stuff to talk about tonight. So on the hobby desk, guys, we have been doing some painting. I've painted Derek's Reavers using the Mighty Duncan's Guide, so we'll talk a bit about that. And i found some new brushes, which are very exciting. Um, Galaxy of War, Ben had a game. Um, and there's some new terrain out. And we've got more to talk about, more events we're aiming to go to as well. Then we head into the Mortal Realms and, in fact, into the Shade Spire itself where Ben has lost seven games to me. <laughs> I'm sure that'll come up again, actually. Do you think, Ben? <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're trying Maybe. to rub it in. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Oh, and there's some uh, there's some cool Dark Oath Chieftain woman as well to talk about. And um, then we hail to the community. So Ben has had the great honour of talking to Tommy from Girl and Painting Studio, so there's an interview on that for you guys to listen to and finally into the wilds where everything is either Viking or very, very small (laughs) (laughs) Right guys, as you know, I've got my coffee, Ben's got whatever he's drinking probably warmed mead I expect so grab your refreshments and join us on the Hobby Desk Hi guys, welcome to the Two Pieces of Pod, and it's our hobby desk first. Um, we've been ridiculously busy on our hobby desk, haven't we, Dan? Getting ready for Shadespire, primarily. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, well, I suppose I'm vaguely interested in it. Yeah, it comes across <laughs> when you're playing you. You kind of have this vague, glazed over, sort of waxy look. That's intense tacticalness in my eyes. <laughs> and tacticalness <laughs> is a word. <laughs> is it? <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, so we we have been doing that, haven't we? Yeah, we've got most of our gangs painted now, between us and the standing men. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I've done a cracking job on my Stormcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have. <laughs> you didn't even lift a finger. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. It's the art of delegation there. Yeah. But it's really cool to get a product and get it out and going. I don't think I've ever done that um so quickly well, you've gone really fast so i was all excited and was like right i'm gonna get i'm gonna get standing ben he's gonna do some we'll get them done really quick well you've done yours ben's done his there's one person that hasn't finished their project <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear <laughs> yeah so that's a bit embarrassing you've been using uh duncan's guide ah, i have yes what did you think um i re- well i i really like it I really like Duncan's guys. The great thing is I'm really fortunate because I've got all the paints, all the Citadel paints. So that makes yeah. it a lot easier because at the start it just goes whoom and brings up all of the paints that are going to be used. So I just got them all out. Um, and what I really yeah. like is it's really broken down, stops every now and then and says, right, these are the paints I'm going to be using next. It takes It's taken me a little longer because normally I paint for speed only. Yeah. Um. And this time I've been trying to slow it down a bit, be a bit neater, follow the guide. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's coming out nicely. It's nice to have that 
to aim towards because obviously you've got the pictures of what he's done um yeah all the way through and i'm looking forward to picking up a few things so like things like using blood for the blood god and typhus corrosion which i know you're really keen on um oh typhus corrosion is just <laughs> such a good you love it, don't you? <laughs> so, i do it's so good yeah it's so useful i use it for so many things yeah i don't think so joe's that impressed by you using it to clean the worktops is she <laughs> well you could do it's got a texture it's nice and abrasive leaves a lovely brown sheen yeah. <laughs> so um yeah really enjoying the videos um the guide it just gives you that bit of confidence you don't have to faff around thinking about oh how what color am i going to paint that um, i will get some pictures yeah. up when they get done they're not that far off to be honest i've done all the base coating and i've done the washes now and so it's just yeah. building about and to be honest that's all the boring stuff out the way so I'm really looking forward to it. No, you say one. that, but you say that, but the base coating, as boring as it is, it's the most important part. If you've got your base coats nice and neat with a kind of good thin coat, so there's no paint streaking. What you on mean it. is two thin coats, um, Ben? Yeah, well, you know, yes, two thin coats. <laughs> but I don't want to coin, don't want to coin Lord Duncan's face. But yeah, two thin coats, or as many as you need to get a nice thin coat on. If you get that nice and neat, then everything else is gravy. Yep. I love the moment when you put a wash or you shade into your base coat. I love that. So good. Just brings the model to life. It's amazing. Yeah, because you've gone for, on your Reavers, you've you've really been experimenting, haven't you? Gone for a load of different skin tones. Yeah, that's right. So I, I've been racking my brain and I can't remember painting so much flesh. Um, there's not many naked space marines. Um, so mostly, most of my flesh has been faces or hands on you know various different models never really a, a whole figure so it's been really cool to have a chance to sit down and experiment with skin tones so i've gone for a couple actually I've, I've gone for five different ones with the reavers because i think it's a good opportunity to do that and i will probably do even more in the um when i come around to doing the starters kit um the age of sigma starters kit Oh yeah, the guys when in there's it. twenty of them in there, so you can really go to town. Yeah. So I did. I used Duncan's uh, skin tone guides. He's done a few now; they're really good. Um, so I did the I did Garrick Albino because um, I wanted him to stand out primarily. Um, it proved to be really hard, really yeah, really challenging that. Um, I think you was it struggled up, with like contrasts and contrast. putting things together and stuff, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, I ended up using the blood around his mouth to to give a kind of depth to the model because mm. the whole centre of his body just looked so plain. Um, yeah, and I've done a couple of other colours um, as well. So two different Caucasian colours, uh, Middle Eastern kind of olivey skin and black skin, and they, I think they just look fantastic. Um, all from all from his guides. So it's, it's useful having a, a kind of a kind of guru on tap where you can think, oh, now how do I paint that? And there's so many videos on there now, dude. There's, n I swear to God, you'd struggle to find something that isn't covered somewhere. Yeah, they've got loads. In somewhere. Got loads. Yeah. And it's nice because basically what you've done now is you've added how to paint five other different skin tones to your hobby arsenal. So when you come in the yeah, and doing stuff, you can just add that on, can't yeah. you? Yeah, particularly chuffed with how the, the black skin turned out because I was really worried about that looking really fake. Yeah. So, other than that, I've been working on or finished off my Inceptors. 
um, that seem finally. to have been fairly popular. Yeah, I think it's because not many people have tackled Inceptors. Yeah, I'm sure it's got nothing to, be... to do with the fact they look flipping awesome. <laughs> <laughs> There's one smashing into the ground. Yeah, he came out nice. It's a shame he's about to be cut down by a chain axe, but it, you know, yeah, he does look good at that moment. But... The problem is with them is I've played them in three games now and they've been utterly shite in all three. I don't know how. <laughs> what are you doing with them? I don't know. Maybe I'm picking the wrong targets. In the first game... I... Well, I think you must be because they're, they are, when I played them, they are flipping ridiculous. Well, the first game I played, they were against... Um, I got spooked by the Decimator engine, so I, I put them out against the Decimator engine and they just did nothing. Like maybe two or three wounds on a... 10 or 12 wound model is no good. Um, if it had been plasma guns, then I think it would have been whatever they call the plasma guns that they carry. I think that would have been different. But um, in the second game, I took them against Space Marines, and they meh, meh. Um And then the last game, the one at the weekend, I'm sure we'll talk about later, um, they went against Intercessors, and they maybe took off a model and wounded another, mm-hmm. which isn't... It's three wounds. It's not great. Um, so I'm thinking more about picking them for squishy targets. Yeah. Problem is, when you're playing a space breed, there aren't many squishy targets. No, that's true. <laughs> Can you have them in any no, bigger no. units? I don't know. That's a good question. I'll look that up now while we're talking. Um, I have them in threes. Um, but so Ooh. talk about how you went because I know you've mentioned it a few times. Filler, Dan, filler. <laughs> I know you've mentioned it a few times, but you you came up with a different way of doing the markings, didn't you? Because you were umming and ahhing over whether they'd be blood claws or grey hunters or who, yeah, definitely. Who they I, I didn't want them to be blood claws. Uh, anyone who's been around for at least a hundred years of um, you know of, of the crusade isn't going to be a, a blood claw anymore. No. Unit contains two Inceptors and one Inceptor Sergeant, may include a three additional ones. But then that's a power rating of 20 for six. It's <laughs> quite a lot, man. That is quite... I could have two Khan the Betrayers for that. Yeah. Just going to put that out there. So, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of money, a lot of points. So probably not. I probably wouldn't go for, probably wouldn't go for six. Although they'd hit really hard. So yeah, I went for... Um, I spoke with Rob... And uh, Mike at Games Virtual Plymouth, we had a little chat about it. Um, and Mike came up with the idea of um, having red and white. So it's a colour scheme that isn't used, um, a pack marking that isn't used yet, um, and kind of fits quite nicely. So it marks them as sort of a mix of um, of long fang heavy weaponry and uh, grey hunter. Um, so I quite liked it. And the colour scheme, I quite like the idea and the colour scheme seems to have worked. So. I'm quite happy with that. And it settled my fluff itch in my head. <laughs> Which is important, because if, if I'd have done the blood claws, I just don't think I'd have liked it. Well, it had been playing on your mind for some time, probably yeah. since Primaris came to be. Yeah, because all the others fit so nicely, but those just didn't. There we go. So, um, yeah, and I got both of my warbands done. So I got the um, oh Stormcast guys done too. Um there's a good chance for me to try out the colour scheme I had in my mind for the rest of the Stormcast that I've picked up with the starters kit and that. So, Ace. Well, I had a bit of a hobby epiphany, painting epiphany. You, you have repeated hobby epiphanies. I know. 
But they f- they flutter through your mind like a butterfly. Yeah. And then come tumbling out the other side like some neglected puppy. Well, this one I've, <laughs> I've caught as it as it tried to escape in a net. Um, All right. <laughs> so I, I think the question I said to you was, dude, do you use Series 7s? And you sort yeah. of... This, this sort of glow came out of Facebook Messenger uh, as you sort of went, oh! To, and explain that yes, you did, and they were very good. So I ordered them. <laughs> uh, I ordered a set, a set of four, uh, a size three, two, one, and naught. And yeah. I've since ordered uh, double naught and triple naught as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. This is this is going to make you laugh, and it will make a lot of people roll their eyes. But when you mentioned to me the sizes three, two, one, naught, I was like, I don't even, I don't know what that means because. I've always really? painted with Games Workshop brushes. Always. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so I ordered those and I started painting with them. Oh, oh. it's like <laughs> caressing the paint onto the miniature. It's, 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 it's just unbelievable. Like if I was paint, well, I, I will never paint Slanesh miniatures with them because it would just be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is too, oh, mate. They are amazing, um, and I, I'm sure af- if people follow us from the beginning, after 11 episodes, um, people will realise <laughs> that I am, I I'm fairly keen on Games Workshop products, um, <laughs> I, and I use a lot of them. Even the palette pad that you mock me for constantly. Um, oh, because it's ridiculous. And I've got <laughs> and I've got all of the GW brushes, and I went with the Artificer range. And and they are they're good, but they're not Winter and Series Sevens. I tell you that now, these are stunning. <laughs> they are so good, guys. And like, obviously, if you just treat them shit, they're not going to be any good. But I really try and look after them, and they have they they do make a difference. That, to the point where I'm enjoying painting the Reavers more because when I want the paint to go somewhere, it goes that place. Mm. And nowhere else. And nowhere else. Um... Yeah, I think one of the, th- I think painting miniatures is the reverse of a lot of kind of hobbies, in the sense that if someone said to me, I wanted to start reenactment, I would say, uh, you need a basic set of kit, maybe an axe or a spear that will cost you thirty quid um, for the head, and then you can put the spear haft on yourself. Um, and you'll need a helmet, which you get the cheapest helmet you can to start with, just so you can get out there. When it comes to painting miniatures, it's the exact opposite. I would strongly recommend anyone who starts, invest in a good brush. The best brush that you can afford, because the difference it makes... I just think it's in, it's, it's difficult to actually explain just how much of a difference it makes. I mean, and don't, um, don't and get me wrong, it's not... <laughs> the brushes I've used all this time are fine. They're good brushes, and... People, oh, I'm sure, produce amazing stuff. I just feel that the, these ones, oh yeah, it's just another level. Really, really, really impressive. Yeah, one of the things that Games Workshop brushes do have a range of, which aren't somewhere that I that, that I haven't found an alternative for that's any better, is the short bristled ones, mm. like the base coat base coat brushes. Yeah, much. Haven't found an alternative for that really. No, no, they have got good range. So. Oh, the last thing that I've been working on is this piece of scenery I just showed you. Yes, you sent me some rather cool pictures, looking very good. Getting ready for Necromunda? Yes. 
I don't know what this one's called. The, I mean, mixed together some random pig Latin words. The Galvatronic Incinna something or something. Incinema Bob. Incinema Bob. I don't even have pieces. Hang on, I've got the... No, not that one. No, not that one. The one that I don't have the guide for. <laughs> Excellent. It's got lots Thank of you nice... for making us wait for that profound understanding <laughs> that you've brought us about what you're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah. okay, though, because it's not like this is a podcast. Oh, I found it. I found it. I found oh, it. I was, I was mid-flow on mocking you. Ah, uh, well, ferritonic incinerator. See, oh. I wasn't far off. It's some random pig Latin. <laughs> Excellent. So I'm assuming that that's basically an iron smelter. It sounds like it. Yeah. Well, it's it's um, it's pretty cool. It's you could mate, you could spend a month painting it. Yes. Genuinely, I mean, there's so much detail on it. It's mind-boggling. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I haven't spent a month painting it. I've spent four hours. <laughs> And uh, and I think it looks all right. I think it's going to be just fine on the um, Necromunda board. I'm going to stick it on on a base, um, do some graffiti, a bit of um, propaganda posters, that kind of stuff. See, you mentioned a base to me, and I have always been a big fan of basing terrain for a number of reasons, not least the making it really sturdy. That's the biggest yeah. one. But I think also being able to blend it more into the battlefield and add a bit more stuff going on, especially like ruined buildings and things. But just recently with the number of things coming out, like, you know, the, the containers. Yes. And they come with barrels, don't they? And little like ammo boxes and you can get little barricades. It kind of struck me that it might not actually be a bad thing to not base stuff. And then each game set up those little piles and stacks and things um, yeah. rather than have them pre-done and put them in place. I think you would lose something because you can you can make something look that little bit more real, I think, if you've got the ruins. But yeah. Yeah. ultimately, it, it's not real. You know, it's not... We're not trying necessarily to recreate... Oh, it depends what you want, but not trying to recreate... Those cool pictures in the Forge World books that look real. Well, you might not be. I'm trying to. <laughs> you, you carry on. I'm just thinking about the the speed as well, and yeah, I, I'm going to see. I'm thinking about. It. I'm giving it some thought while I'm planning my new hobby room. It's interesting because um, one of the things that I've seen done recently that I quite liked is just CDs with a few pieces of terrain on, very small, like a couple of barrels or a tree and using those as scatter terrain. Yeah. Um I've I've done my forest like that, um, with smaller bases so that you can create a kind of less densely populated woodland. Um but then when you play a game, it it helps, especially with the rules as they are now, it helps to have a defined area for your terrain. That's something you could use all your um Justin Bieber collection for. The CDs you've got. Why did you have to say something like that? Well, because I'm just trying to help you, mate, with your addiction. It's a it's a bad addiction, Dan. It's not a laughing matter. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, in my head I was like, did Justin Bieber even ever record onto CDs? Or would that have all been downloads now? Am I just old? <laughs> oh. 
can't imagine a CD player tolerating a Justin Bieber CD. It would just spit it back out. Yeah, <laughs> no. <that> might do. <laughs> certainly mine would. Go to from Clutch to Justin Bieber, I think he would have a heart attack. <laughs> anyway, um, so that, yeah, so that's what I I think would be quite cool for that. But then I absolutely agree with the um, the shipping crates just being left to throw around the table where you want because they really work as kind of you can adjust them in all sorts of ways then can't you yeah yeah definitely yeah it's probably probably a middle ground is what you want i suppose more yeah yeah have a few that you can just get out of a box and scatter um and have some that are on mini bases Mm. because we've both got the scenery bug a bit haven't we to be honest i'm desperate to start on terrain to be fair um I need to hold off because at the moment I've got nowhere to put it if I build it. Um, But yeah, I I think what it is, is I want to start bringing the worlds to life. Yeah. Telling a story. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And And the scenery is one of the best ways to do it. Yeah. And the scenery kits at the moment are just just phenomenal. Yeah. And and they they make the whole experience, I think. Terrain brings everything together. Yeah. Yeah, and like we said, really I mean, it's a story. real epiphany playing on a on a really nice board. Mm. Changes everything. Yeah. The prob- problem is if your board's too nice, then if your models aren't painted, it's just embarrassing. <laughs> well, that is true. But there we go. So, Dan, I think it is time for us to um, wind our way over um, into the galaxy of war. Oh yes. Off the pod continues onwards. We're now sort of going through that burning re-entry bit, so we're getting all that kind of cool effect like you've done on top of your interceptors going on on our pod. (laughs) Burning off the uh, Space Wolf heraldry that you've slapped (laughs) on the side on the quiet. It's so irritating doing all of those decals perfectly and then weathering them off. Oh, you love it. You said to me the other day, you can't not weather stuff anymore. I can't, Do you know what? it's still frustrating. I, I heard the other day that Joe cleaned your car and you went out and weathered the bloody thing up. Don't, don't talk, don't talk about some the car. Some little snot stole my pig in hubcaps, miserable Halloween. Blah, 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 blah. Right, anyway, <laughs> to the galaxy of war. I'll catch you soon, guys. <laughs> Welcome, listeners, to the grim darkness of the far future, which is actually quite good fun, if we're honest. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Gilliman's back now, isn't he? So everything's going to be rosy. <laughs> everything's golden blue. Anyway, there's far too much singing. Like, I'm sure we've managed to get me trying to be vocal into a few. I think you need to remember this is a podcast and not my own audition for The X Factor. <laughs> Thankfully, Dude, you have to audition for the X Factor now. <laughs> I, I do my, would should watch I do my that? Why Should Anybody's Collect Space Wolf song? No. For it. <laughs> <laughs> so, come on, back to Warhammer. You played a game, dude. Did I? Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I helped set it up. I set up all the oh. terrain and stuff, and then I was like, I gotta go. It was a big game. Um, three people who had never played 8th edition. And me, who don't, who doesn't play it often enough to know the rules off by heart yet. Um, so it was a bit of a cluster, but it was hell of a good fun. 
It was uh, me and a Black Templar player versus uh, Raven Guard into a uh, Primaris army, um, an Imperial Guard army, uh, and Blood Angels. And the armies were not sensible. <laughs> they were not sensible at all. Um, <laughs> well, essentially, one of the biggest problems was that they had a super heavy. The uh, Oh, my memory is so bad. Stormhammer, I think Storm, it is. Stormhammer, yeah, the one with the big Vulcan heavy bolter on it. Um, and nothing we threw at it stopped it, even a little bit. And then it just drove over essentially 10 Black Templar Terminators, turned them into pancakes, and that was the end of that. Um, so, yeah, it was good fun, though. Um, nice to play on a great big table like that. Stormlord, that one is. Stormlord, that's the badger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, love that um, model. Absolutely brilliant. One of the things that they were able to do, because they had Imperial Guard, is deny any of the rear zone. Um, oh, the... from the dropping in? Yeah. Whereas because we had Space Marines, we couldn't do that. So they ended up flanking us with some filthy Raven Guard trick with three aggressors who just roll so many dice. <laughs> so many <laughs> dice. And... Um, a unit of Blood Angels with uh, Dante and uh, Azeroth and uh, 10 Jump Pack guys. So there was just massive units dropping in and around us, which was quite hard to deal with, really, quite hard to deal with. And we just couldn't break through the line. I did think, as we were desperately trying to find cover on our side of the table, where you told me that I was going to set up, that the side of the table that you had planned to play on was very densely populated with urban scenery. What? Well, that's because it was supposed to be like a town. Yeah. Where you were assaulting into. That the that your army was going to defend. Well, no, because I had corn, so I was going to like run out and. Well, you say that now, but you say that now, having not done that. But it's clearly set up to favour your side. I'm standing by that. Is um, is there anyone around? Because I'm hoping you can find someone else that I can actually be bothered to interact with after that aspersion. Um, I could go and wake up the kids. Yeah, I'd get more sense. Yeah. A lot more. Joe could happily come out and do the podcast with him. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, after that, that's it. It's over. Oh. <laughs> Two peas, 11 episodes going strong, and then failed because I called out Dan's integrity <laughs> on his placement of scenery. Absolutely outrageous. <laughs> So what have you been getting up to game-wise for 40k? Um, well, I've been um, going around generally just setting up tables to favour me so I can win. That sounds about right, but have you actually played on any yeah. of them? No, I haven't played any 40k. No, we've been too distracted by something not, else. Not in the last... Yeah, well, but what I have done, because I was just looking to see if we had discussed this on the last podcast or not. I don't think we did, but I've been building some characters for my corn. Oh, yeah, yeah. For your um, Autumn Tides army. Yeah, for the Autumn Tides army. So, um, and forgive me, guys, if I've been through all of this already, but I'm, I don't think I've been through it. Uh, but basically, I've converted up a Dark Apostle. Oh, he's really nice. And an Exalted Champion um, to put with some Corn Berserkers so I can reroll hits and reroll wounds in the first, in, in combat, sorry. Which will be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be good. And I've added a Demon Prince, because he's just going to roll a load of dice. <laughs> um, and I like rolling loads. I think he's got like nine attacks when he charges in. 
uh, hitting on twos, re-rolling ones, and he's strength six or seven, minus two AP and two damage. So yeah. Hello! <laughs> oh, crikey. I just picked one up to look at while I was talking about it. I've just dropped him on the floor. It's the best place for him. Head, head it for the but pin. The, the, the problem is, it's rapidly approaching now. So we've got 13, 14, 15 days to go, and they're all still primed grey. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I'm not too fast so, if yeah. I don't have to fight them. Yeah, I know. But... Actually, they were going to slay space wolves, but you've you've come to your senses and realised that they're shocking, haven't you? <laughs> no. That they're mutants, heretics, fools, filthy, unwashed. Well, and definitely wholeheartedly against the hairdressing profession. Yes, well, I could agree with that. None of the other stuff is even cogent as a sentence. But um, what I would uh, what I would say is that. I've really struggled to make them work without a codex the last couple of times I've played them, played with them. Um, and you could sort of use a Space Marine codex, but then you can't use the Space Marine codex for some... It just gets a bit messy. And without a codex, which isn't seem to be coming, it just seems better to use the Space Marine army. So I'm going to go with Iron Snakes. And then I don't have to rush to paint them. And I can use more than three stratagems, and it just makes much more sense. Yeah, I think... You were quite keen not to have to rush them, weren't you, with the painting? Because you are enjoying them, and that would be a shame. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to rush them, and equally, I don't want to get bored of painting them. So, no. I, when I first started them, I wanted to do um, goblins, alternate goblin space wolves. So I, I didn't get bored. Um, I've managed, I've managed to, um, to, to sneak in the shade spire, and that's really revitalised my painting at the moment. So. Um, I don't. I don't want to get into the stage where I don't want to paint space walls because I've got a lot of them to get yeah. through. And um, so, you know, there's lots of reasons. And I think it took me some soul searching because I really wanted to 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 use them, but it's probably just going to be better not to. And now I can sit down with a space marine codex and make a sensible army. And I've got many, many more choices. I've got a whole company of iron snakes to choose from. Literally, you have got <laughs> quite a few of those. Which are, you know, you'll have to get some pictures up, mate, because I don't think people obviously know you as the Space Wolf one. Yeah. Or the incorrect one, also <laughs> um, known as. But I don't think, see, I, whenever I tell people, when I'm talking about your hobby, yeah, I've always talked about the Iron Snakes, because I know where your passion for them comes from, and I share your passion for the book. I know how they started with the Tale of Many Gamers project in Games Workshop. Yes, it did. And I've yeah. seen them grow. Yeah, remember? Yeah. And, and they were in the window there. And I remember taking the mick out of you for your Dreadnought. Um, oh, yeah, the one I tried to make look like he like. was running. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember that you freehanded all of the symbols and you've done some awesome conversions. And basically, you bought every possible Space Marine miniature ever. Yep. To do these conversions and you use like tyrannic war veterans and well, made all the squads and named them. Brilliant. There wasn't any good really cool. veterans um back then. Now there's the Stern Guard. It's, it's easy to do, but I wanted to make the um Priad squad. Um and to understand a lot of this, I guess you would have had to have read Iron Snakes, but Priad is the main character in um Brothers of the Snake. Uh he's the sergeant and they're not a special squad. They're a notable squad, which means that they've earned a reputation. 
Um, but they, they're they a codex chapter in, in many ways, and these guys aren't first company. Um, but I wanted to have, like, bolt gun wielding nice models. So the only way to do that that I thought, or I could see at the time, was um, to trim all of the uh, Ultramine symbols of the Tyrannic War veterans, and that turned out quite well, didn't it, I thought? Yes. Yeah, you're right. I I, th- I probably ought to sit down and take some photographs because um, they they've yeah. never been photographed. Um, so yeah, um, that's what I'm going to do for that. I think I think that's much more sensible rather than trying to get 15 models done in 15 days. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Not for space wolves. No. So, but there is an opportunity to use your space wolves coming up in January, isn't there? Yes. And uh, I need to have a proper look through the pack for that. Um, what's that called, yeah. Dan? Is, uh, the... So this is the Tenebra system. So uh, Warhammer World have announced over the last sort of week that they are launching a new campaign setting um, or a continuation, I think. I think they did do a campaign um, that was set on Boralis and this continues on from that. But basically they will do now these narrative or campaign weekends that they do moving forward will all feed into the story of this system yeah. um, and this area, which I, I'm really excited about. Um, I did a heresy campaign weekend, um, and unfortunately the follow-up one got cancelled. It, was, it wasn't a Games Workshop one, but it was fantastic, really, really good. And I was really keen to get involved in that, so I'm equally as keen with this. So the idea is that Chaos has risen up again in this this system and when you buy your ticket you choose whether you're going to be imperium chaos or invader which covers everything else but also you can be an invader uh, a chaos invader or an imperial invader that you got to read the story really um but that's uh in february just before my birthday and your birthday cool just yeah. after backup ben's birthday <laughs> backup ben <laughs> <laughs> so um that's quite exciting we are at the time of recording the tickets go on sale in two days so by the time this is recorded uh, sorry this comes out um we'll know whether we manage to get them or not so i'm going to be sitting there in the morning ready finger poised to buy those tickets it's 65 pound a ticket which i think is ace um no hang on because 65 pounds for an event is it is a lot of money until you explain what you get for it so i think it's worth doing dan yeah well okay so for that £65, you can play up to eight games. Um, and I say up to eight because there are an optional three extra games on this Friday night if you're up there. Um, you get dinner on both days. You actually, when you arrive and you register, get given a dossier which contains the information for your side, um, which sounds amazing. Then you've got to remember the venue. So you're not going to be playing on some dude's upturned flipping garden table with a couple of bits of flower pot on as boards. <laughs> you, you're playing in Warhammer World. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to be theming things around certain boards up there um, as well, plus all the storytelling that comes with it. So, I mean, I've the one I went to before was, you know, it wasn't a cheap weekend, but it was bloody awesome. Yeah. Like, it's so good, and it's so good being able to play a game and then going to another game and going to another game and they're really pushing the positivity and the narrative side of things. Yeah. Um, it's a hundred power level, but you can take 
all your army. So you could take like 300 power level and then they're encouraging you to change your army. So, for example, if you get assigned to storm a fortress, you're going to want a more mobile army. But if you're assigned to defend a fortress, you might want a more defensive army. And the idea is that you form part of a storytelling team, I suppose, over the weekend. Yeah. Um, which is fantastic. Uh, there's the usual painting um, competitions uh, and there's an award for each faction or say faction each ticket type so imperial chaos or invader for most favorite game votes um so there's awards for that we're gonna book uh, a place in a hotel to stay over yeah it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be great isn't it looking forward yes, to it i'm very excited uh i would love to paint a nurgle army I'm a bit, a bit intimidated by 300 power points of space walls isn't going to get done <laughs> no so I'm gonna... Well, I'm going to take Mr. Kaitan engine. Are you? He's got to come. Yeah. Are you sure? Because cool. won't, won't you drop him out of the boot on the motorway or something? Yeah, he probably <laughs> will. He'd probably leap out. <laughs> he'll be like, look Screw in the mirror you, and he'll be like, hanging home. on the side like, Whoa, I'm going to get you. He'll be swinging his axe at like, I don't know, Audi drivers. <laughs> get out. <sighs> yeah. I'm a BMW driver. We've just lost. 25 listeners there Ben <laughs> because of that admittance but I am a bit, a bit I drive a BMW so that's why I'm in fairness belittling the Audi BMW driver corn worshipper yeah makes sense <sighs> general all round awesome guy <laughs> ding <laughs> so aside from what we're getting up to um want to have a quick go over the releases that are coming up Yes, so, so you... nothing too exciting. Mm, I haven't got, I've got to be honest, I haven't really been following the Tyranid one. Have you been following the Tyranid one? A, a little bit. I've looked at a couple of things. I saw something that could be used to shut down psychic attacks. So if uh, a psychic power within 24 inches mm. of this certain point, you can only roll one dice Yeah, yeah. to get the power yeah. off. Um, I saw that. And I've seen that you've got the different high fleets, haven't you? Yeah, they've. But I haven't gotten into loads of depth on it. They seem to have expanded that quite a lot. Yeah, well, they. Yeah, it seems to be a theme, though, doesn't it? To give a bit more flavour to each of the factions. It gives me a high fleet to paint my Tyranids in, and a nice easy one, too. Um, the the Jormanga. The Jormanga? Yeah. But anyway, so, it means yeah. the World Serpent in, uh, in Norse. Um, I can never pronounce it, but yeah, the, the high fleet that is named after the World Serpent. So. They're meant to be in the kind of Fenrisian sector. Um, so that's pretty cool. So that's my my Tyranids in a nice I've only not field. been following it because I know what will happen if I do. You'll collect a Tyranid army. <laughs> well, I won't collect a Tyranid army, will I? I'll get really excited about a Tyranid army, buy some, paint a three, and then go back to painting corn. <laughs> yeah. So that's them. Um there's been a lot of controversy over changing in the uh, Astra Militarum rules, the Commissar rule. Um, probably best we don't dwell on that too much. <laughs> um, although, I, I, See, I struggle with a lot of the rules stuff because the only time I get a bit frustrated is if I feel a rule has changed and it then doesn't allow me to explore the background. Yeah. Um, so... F- for example, it took me a little while to get over the corn berserkers not being troops, and then of course they they did make them troops. Um, 
and the Primaris in drop pods thing is just because of the background. It's nothing to do with the rule, yes, etc. It's it's just how I feel about the background. That's a personal thing, you know. Different people play the hobby for different reasons, but yeah, the commissar thing was a bit. People got a bit jumped out of a few prams over that. <laughs> um, they just, toys went out and they just followed afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> climbing it, yeah. out. Um, but there we say go. that, and then we've got Blood Angels and Dark Angels. Yeah, yeah. Is it, mate? It's so cool they're coming out together because it harkens back to the Angels um, of Death Codex. Angels of Death. Still, Codex. I've got that. Both bad boy, chapters yeah. that I'd love to do. Yes, well, I'd like to do the oh. Blood Angels um, one day. Uh, I never used to be a fan of the Blood Angels. Um, then I read um, Fear to Tread. You know, one one podcast I will get that. That will I'll come out with that without having to pause. But well, you you do mention it in every podcast, so eventually it will. Uh, well, did you know we seem to anyway? Yeah. So one day I will. <laughs> That's how good it is. One day it, it is a good book. Um, one day I will do some Blood Angels, but Dark Angels have never really, in their current format, ticked any of my boxes other than aesthetic. See, the thing that annoys me about the Dark, the only th- I love the idea of Dark Angels. Like. I love the monkey, like the robes and the secrecy, and I love the plasma because I think the plasma effects on them would really set off the color scheme yeah, nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I love the bone of the raven wing, but the lion is a tit. <laughs> like I'm sorry, but that when I read about <laughs> when I read about him, he is. He's just oh, I, oh no. Yeah, and I'm feel free to call me out, people. If people listen to this, you know, send us messages and explain why he's not. But he just, yeah, he's not. It's not my kind of guy. <sighs> no, no. And I, I still, no, in fairness, I still can't get over they bombarded the Fenrisian sector. Um, that's just, that's just not cricket. I'm sorry, guys. So the the Dark Angels, although to be honest, though, if I saw a horde of chaos mutants, oh my days, and I was loyal to the Emperor, I'd be tempted. Yeah. Now, so I, I'm quite. They sit. Ah, oh, ha, ha, They sit. You're gonna get your panda meme out. Pops <laughs> <laughs> out every now and then. Yeah, panda meme. Love it. You have to do a post on that on that panda gift now. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. It'll maybe it might even be as popular as the post on cream teas. Oh, cream teas, can of worms. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We should move on quick because that went crazy. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting talking about because there's more space marines coming. I was talking to um to Brad, um from uh, from Sustain Fire, Fire yeah. about about space marines because he he's not feeling the love as much on 40k right now, but he loves the background and we were talking about creating your own space marine chapter. Yeah. So Ben Chambers is also I was talking to him about this and he's exploring that now and that's got me thinking. Uh, yeah, I love. That. I I suppose I'm less interested in starting one completely from scratch as I am of taking one that's not a huge amount is known about and building on it. Mm. So celestial lions keep popping into my head. There's a fair bit um, known about them. Yeah, there is a fair bit, but not as much as there is about, like, say, the Ultramarines, is there? Yeah, but no one, and no one has as much background as the Ultramarines. So. No, that's true. Okay, well, thanks for pissing on my idea. I'll uh, do something else. Good, Mike. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> Mike finds has uh, has uh, done a great Celestial Lions army using the um, Liberator Gold Spray. Um, 
Oh yes. Yeah, it looks it looks really, really good. Yeah, top class. Yeah. That spray is just preposterous though. We've talked about that again. We're going over things that we've already said. Um Yeah. The exciting thing about having the Angels this year is that the Space Wolves are later, which is more exciting is that the demons are later. Yeah. Early 2018, more demons. That's what everyone needs is more gibbering idiots. Um, mm. So I've got my fingers crossed now we're going to see Russ um, as the next Primark. But that's all speculation. I said more demons. Yeah, I even knew when I said that as it came out of my mouth, I thought Dan will say something like that. But there we are. That's right. Predictable. People will start getting bored of my uh, bot. M- Mock in the space wall, so so maybe I'll stop for a couple of uh, episodes. <laughs> yeah, okay, minutes, <laughs> minutes more like right, dude. So let's uh, mosey on over from uh, the uh, galaxy of war to the mortal realms. Let's take our drop pod and smash up some realms. <laughs> we'll see you on the other side. Catch guys. You in a minute, guys. Cheers. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mortal Realms. Um, well, not any old Mortal Realms. We're in the uh, Realm of Death, uh, in the City of Shadespire, um, where we've been playing game after game of uh, the many different ways to make Ben look crap at board games. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, do you think they bought out a game that was set in the Realm of Death at this time because it's Halloween? Ooh. Oh, conspiracy theory with no real point at all, like all of them. <laughs> well, I was just asking, um, reading the background of Shadespire, why on earth would there be a mercantile metropolis rising from the unforgiving realm of the realm of death um, with countless races dwelt within its rules? Why would you live in the realm of death, dude? You would. I mean, I'm not a fan of haunting. Well, you make the best of the situation you have. Also, you get used to what's normal, don't you? Yeah. So ghosts frighten people because, like, they don't come up very often. But if they were there all the time, you'd be like, all right, lad. That's true. To your ghost friend. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Uh, why. So I think we should start by asking the listeners to send in their ghost stories. Do you really? Let's not do that because I won't sleep. Oh, I've got a good one. It won't just take the coffee to keep me not sleeping. Don't uh, start telling ghost stories. Well, I know. I've got a brilliant ghost story. Right. Uh, I'm going to have to tell it now, haven't I? Yes. Okay. So, so when I was working in the emergency department at three o'clock in the morning, um, it's a quiet, the department's quite often quiet at that time of day. And I was walking back in from the ambulance entrance and the resuscitation room um was completely empty and as i walked past the second door because there was a door on either end i heard uh, one of the machines chiming so i in i went and found that the machine that was timing was uh one of the defibrillators um and it had the asystole which is the pattern that a person's heart makes when they're not when they're not alive it's very different from a flat line when the machine is turned off and the machine was chiming asystole, and it wasn't plugged into anybody. It should not do that. Um, 
and then I went to turn it off, and the machine turned itself off, and I have never left a room faster in my entire life. <laughs> I was out the door so fast, I did the floor practically burn. And then I told <laughs> I told everybody who was listen what had happened and got laughed at for the rest of my shift. Um, <laughs> might have been tiredness, might have been far too many cans of relentless, but it that freaked me the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> so then, there we go. That's my ghost story. So send in yours. So let's right. go on to something that's actually related to hobby. <laughs> so I think we should talk about how many games did we play when we met up? Oh, you're saying seven. We played a lot. We did play we a did lot. We did play seven. How did many games? Like... Oh, I did, did lose win? seven. I can't believe I lost seven. You did. There was five where I used the corn because I used the corn three times. And then by that time, you were scowling so hard at me that I agreed that we should swap because you were convinced that this, the, I think you believed that the Stormcast had no good power cards. And, I, uh, no. and so I took the Stormcast and I won twice more. Oh, shush. And then the next day when we got <laughs> up in the morning, I had to do something. So we played twice again. Mm-hmm. Now, playing the Stormcast um, five times and not managing to have a single one of them inspired, will let everyone listening know, who knows the game Shadespire, um, all you have to do to inspire one of your Stormcast is roll a defence. A single defence. That's it. And I never had an inspired guy. So that means I was either killed outright in one hit, or I didn't defend a single thing. For five I think games. You, need, you clearly need to work on your chat-up lines. Do I? Yeah, because you you've obviously not got the way with Lady Luck that I have. Yeah. I, I that's have fair. wooed her. You know I mean to be fair, it's not difficult with my rugged good looks. <laughs> oh god. She, oh. she she is clearly on my side. Yeah. Seriously, delusions, man. But you I need don't to see know, someone about that. <laughs> luck luck is, is you know, luck is it's not one of those untenable things where you just like, oh, yeah, but you got lucky. You know, I've worked on that relationship for some time. Yeah. Mm. I, <laughs> I haven't. We might have to put a health warning on this segment. Yeah. But anyway, let's just go past the fact that I got whooped seven times. Um, it was still good to play, though, wasn't it? It was good to meet up, play a game. It was fantastic. Yeah. And we really got to grips with it, I think. Yeah, and to be fair to you as well, I had already played three or four times and would had been sort of looking at the corn cards and how to use the warband. Yeah. Um which helps, obviously. Um and I'd been too you, busy painting them. Hadn't read you any were of painting them. them. <laughs> you were painting them, I was reading the cards. <laughs> that just that sums up our relationship to the hobby almost perfectly, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um yeah, I th- what was I loved about it is that it did feel very competitive. In that it didn't feel like I was being cheated. I know we've just joked that I thought your cards were better. I I knew even though I was trying to find a way to explain how I kept getting beaten that it was just I didn't know how to use my cards. Um and I was just being thumped by luck. Really enjoyed the structure of it. Really enjoyed how quick it is. Um I think we said, didn't we, that, or, or certainly I said, when you've got a game where you roll less dice, 
um, a run of poor luck, it becomes even more pronounced. Yes, it does. So, it like, really, I used really to does. find that because I used to play War Machine, and in War Machine, lots of things were based on two d six, and so you didn't when you rolled to hit, you didn't roll hundreds of d six. You were just rolling two. Yeah. So, because you didn't roll as many dice, those times that didn't go well were even more pronounced. Yeah. Um, and that was definitely the case, wasn't it? It was, it, yeah, it just got silly. And actually, it happened a bit last night. I played, uh, I played Ben and um, Ben Chambers, and it got to the point where he would roll, and I would just like put my head in my hands because I was like, I can't, I can't believe that you've missed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I know. I echo what you say. It does feel competitive. You, it's thought provoking. It is tactical. Um, Really like getting to grips with it. And yesterday when I played, we I played against the Oryx. Um, three times we played with the Oryx and the new Undead Warbands. Yeah. And um, first two games we just played with their core cards. Yeah. So they come with a pre-made deck like the starter kit ones. Not quite. What we did is we just used the faction-specific cards. Right. So in the starter set, the pre-made decks do have some non-specific cards in. Okay. Do they? Do the expansion um, decks have any more um, Stormcast and Blood Reaver yes. cards? Yes. Yes. They do. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um. I've been going through them tonight. And, I bet you um, have. Yeah, I was loving it, mate. And uh, so anyway, we played with the two standard decks, and the Oryx uh, beat me the first time eight two. Then they beat me, I think seven three, and then while Ben was cooking me dinner, <laughs> which was really nice of him, and it was bloody lovely as well. I I offered to help, but what I actually did was sat down and went through the decks and were and put together an undead deck that was focused around taking objectives and the speed of my models. Yeah. And um, and then we played again after tea, and I won 17 glory to two, um, which really, I think, emphasises the difference if you build a deck to achieve a goal. Mm. And, I, and I didn't even... I don't think I wound even damaged a single one of his miniatures. No one took a hit. Because I just was moving around and capturing stuff and I knew what I wanted to achieve from the outset. Yeah. Interesting. Because you kind of you kind of led down a path of thinking that well I am, whenever I play a game that's combat orientated, that my goal is to kill the enemy. But actually you know, you've just described a way to win a game by a ridiculous number of points without even engaging them in hand to hand combat. Well, all of my Almost all of my cards gave me glory based on holding objectives. Yeah. So there's some really cool ones. So, you know, in the first book, there's like hold objective one. Mm -hmm. And that's worth a glory. Yep. Yep. Well, there's some cards in this one, which is like hold objective one and two. And that's worth two glory. And then... There's supremacy, which is hold three different objectives, get three glory. 
And then there's another one, which is an upgrade. And if that character is holding objective two at the end of the game, you get two glory. Mm. And so they're all, and there's like one where if I resurrected two guys in a turn, uh, sorry, in a round, I got a glory. Um, there was one where if all of the guys I had on the board moved, <clears throat> I got a glory and that how, works because how that can works. you do that? Well, that's what I was going to say. That works because the warden has an ability that allows two other models to move. Uh... Sort of commands them forward. So I just didn't take anything where I had to kill stuff to score. Yeah. Now, it is important to say that what would happen is if, for example, the undead get known for doing that sort of thing, or even if I just regularly play in Ben and he will know that's how I play, he would play a game which focused more on keeping me off the objectives. Yep, yeah. Um, but I've got, I mean, I've just gone for all of my ploys and upgrades are focused around movement, whether it be moving the enemy or moving my own models, because I think movement's so key. There's even one which lets you move an objective. That's really cool. Hmm. How far? Only one point. Oh, that's but, yeah, okay. Yeah, but that's you say. Oh, okay, but one hex can be the difference between victory and defeat. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> um, and all the skelly bobs only move two. Do they? Shambling yeah, and muppets. then when they're inspired, <laughs> they move three. Wow, that's really slow. But then there's um, unholy swiftness or something, which gives a character plus two movement. Cool. So yeah. It, I'm loving it, mate. I honestly, it's brilliant. <laughs> I was boring over the cards. Really like it. Thing is, I, one of the things I'm really excited about is <laughs> it's going to sound daft, but it's the things that haven't been released yet. Um, well, that's not daft. That's completely correct. I mean, we've got the Skaven coming. Yeah, but that's that's the strange thing. I've got no interest in Skaven at all, apart from burning them and. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that Skaven warband. It's such a nice-looking warband. Um, and I've got no interest in the Fire Slayers, uh, really. I I don't particularly like... I like the look of them as an army, I suppose. But I've not... I've not fallen in love with them like I have the Caradron Overlords. And yet I cannot wait to see what they do with them for the warband. Mm. Because I think all of the warbands so far, the models are unique and it really it really chimes with me that they're all named yeah they've all got a little story they all feel like they're real kind of things um i like playing any army where i've named and each person has a sort of character um that's developed over the years but i am looking forward to um i'm even looking forward to the second chaos warband i think the second chaos warband is going to be really interesting I um I think it's really exciting to think they've created so many factions in Age of Sigmar. We even talked about it, didn't we, a few episodes ago, where like the elves have been broken down into loads of factions and so on and so forth. Uh, there's so much scope for warbands. There is, and do you know what's really useful? <clears throat> and doing some really cool stuff for them. Sorry, go on. That's the really useful thing. Just this just struck me thinking about the elves. What an easy way to introduce a faction. Yeah. 
Yes. So, I don't know, the Shadow Elves, something we haven't seen yet. Here is a warband of the Shadow Elves. You know, have a have a shot of that. And, a, you know, you create a theme, an identity with that warband, a way of, you know, it's, it's a starting point that I hadn't really considered before. Um, so I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with it. Because I think we have certainly enjoyed it, and I'm not a huge board gamey kind of person, much prefer model wargaming. Um, but I have enjoyed Shadespire a lot. I enjoyed Gore Chosen a lot as well. Um, but then I guess I have you're... to shout out the guy. I, well, I say I'm going to shout out the guy, but I, I, I need to remember his name first. I'll, I'll see if I can find it while I'm talking. But basically, he discovered that you could fit six deck boxes into the shades bar box and then he made a little tray to go in the middle to hold the counters it's so organized oh my goodness well yeah people will know that i i get excited obviously yeah you haven't seen nothing to how excited i got when i saw that picture i just i love it i love it all organized oh my goodness sorry i'm sorry i just had a moment I've just gone down, <laughs> just going down the Shadespire page, looking for that guy's name, and I've seen a trophy that was given out at the Grand Clash. Yeah. And, of course, it's just a standard trophy, because they do them, but it looks like a piece of shade glass, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, have you seen it? Yeah, I have, yeah. Why have you got Tommy? That's amazing! Posts oh. of that have been floating around for a while now. I thought you'd seen it. No! Well, clearly not. After that reaction. So, yeah, that is flipping cool. So, um, I I played a four-person game yesterday, which was very interesting. Yes, I saw. How was that? Very interesting. Worked quite well. Um, Tactically, placing your board is a million times more important. Mm. I was stuck in the middle. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really stand a chance, to be honest. Um, but so board placement was important. So there we go. Uh, Neil Jackson. Neil Jackson is the person that's done the awesome how to pack your shades bar box thing. <laughs> and it is awesome. Great. I've messaged Jim at Big actually to ask him if he's got any deck boxes. They're pretty standard, those deck boxes. Yeah, they are, but I need them now. <laughs> So, um, one thing more we wanted to talk about was um really exciting model. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, the, the, Dark Elf, uh, the Dark Oath Chieftain. Um, and it's exciting because of uh, lots of reasons, I think. But the, the big one is that it's not been designed for Warhammer Quest. It looks like a sneak peek of a faction, doesn't it, Dan? It does. It certainly does. It's yeah, so it's pretty exciting because it hints at an expansion of another idea, the Marauder idea, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah. So that's good. So um And we've already got one fantastic model for uh the Dark Oath. Um literally one of my favourite fantasy models perhaps of all time. Certainly in my top ten, um, in the Silver Tower box set. Um and she is just a fabulous model as well. She echoes him like in so many ways. 
I think she's yeah. fantastic. And it says, it's, so it says, meanwhile in the mortal realm, something dark is gathering. And there's a little video and the um, the Warhammer Age of Sigmar logo, which is normally really bright gold, sort of shatters a bit and bits fall off. And then underneath is revealed the same logo, but in the darker tones. Yeah. And it says, it says, is a new dark age dawning or did someone just go a bit mad with Agrax Earthshade? <laughs> <laughs> and then it says we reckon this new chaos hero might have something to do with it yeah dark oath war queen oh yeah i could i could paint an army of those dude that they could be the thing that make me paint a chaos army and enjoy painting a chaos army yeah because if i was ever going to paint one in warhammer fantasy battle it was always going to be the marauders because i could understand where they were coming from if you lived in the northern wastes the chaos gods weren't some theoretical thing um, they were there. If someone did something that pleased them, they got a benefit from doing that. And you cannot live in an environment like that without worshipping them, without, you know, getting on board or running away. Well, they're the norm, aren't they? Yeah, that is that. The, their life. And I could understand it um, far more than I could the can in any other situation. Um, yeah. So I, I was always, you know, able to get on board in a lot of ways with the chaos narrative for Warhammer Fantasy Battle. I understand it. Um particularly the Marauders. Um so to have Dark Oath, um That is great, isn't it? What's really cool as well, because because it's a war queen so because yeah. we've already got the war the Dark Oath champion, haven't we? Uh he's a chieftain, so you, yeah. The chieftain, sorry. So you've got like the male version, but they can't you're not just gonna create multiple miniatures of of the same guy. Whereas by going, right, well, we're going to do a female one and we're going to have a male one. That's the opportunity to have two awesome miniatures, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Which is just flipping brilliant. I love it. Oh, it just looks so good. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to have to be yeah. pretty good at using that shield, though. <laughs> Same as the Dark Well, yeah, but she's chieftain. protected by the Chaos Gods, dude. Oh, yeah. I could never Just like the Chieftain. Fight, like... Like the Dark Oath Chieftain, like the Barbarian from Hero Quest. I mean, what is that about? It's a pex of steel. I'll take your yeah. sword and deflect it with then, my man boobs. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. It's interesting. I well, they obviously fight so swiftly that it's better for them to be have that freedom of movement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, because like ancient, not well, no, I say ancient, medieval knights and stuff had to have like whole bands of retainers. Just to protect them. Well, I think actually, I'm going to get into my historical nonsense here. But a, a knight in armor moved in surprisingly fast, but not um, for long, though. Oh, you have to be fit. No two ways about it. But it's the same poundage as a as a modern day soldier, um, mm. sp- evenly distributed across the body. Um, yeah, but the heat must have been crazy. Oh yeah, and. It's not an easy to do thing. So one of the things that almost certainly happened is if you were in a battle, you would have had to defecate in your underwear because you can't just squat. <laughs> you, you know, you're covered in armor. Um, so it would have been uncomfortable and hot um, and claustrophobic um, wearing your helmet. So, yeah, there's a lot to say about um, the freedom of movement. It certainly did the archers at Agincourt good. Um, it's exciting. I'm really excited about that model, dude. I'm excited yeah, about. Yeah, I am, I'm, and what it means as well. I'm excited about what, yeah, what it means for. What it does mean, though, is that it, once again, well, no, it's not, is it? I was about to say that they're exploring a new faction without dealing with the old ones first, 
But I think they're actually just not going to deal with the old ones. I think they're going to take them and reimagine them. So yeah, the dark, absolutely. So the Marauders are now becoming the Dark Oath, and I should imagine that the, the elves are I'm not going to see high elves. That's not going to happen. I'm going to see the, something else. The um, thing is, you cannot ignore, and yes, there are exceptions here and there and whatever, but high elves as they were, empire as they were, dwarves as they were, they weren't selling as many as they are selling Age of Sigma. Yeah. So you wouldn't go for all this rigmarole and all this risk and all this change just to recreate the same things. No, would true. you? That's not to say they weren't cool. They are cool. But why would you want cool when you could have more cool <laughs> or cooler? Yeah. And I think I one suppose. of the exciting things is when I read the very early Warhammer books, there wasn't a great deal of background for those factions. They developed their background with each iteration. Yes. And what we're getting to see now is this birthing process for for stuff that in 20 years' time will be like, I was there when. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm serious, and it will be really cool. It will be really cool. So is it inappropriate to say at this point, I was there when there was a female model for for a leader and for some people the sky fell <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah because no. they were morons <laughs> <laughs> yeah quick we should go let's go and hail to the community absolutely absolutely you've got some exciting stuff in the next section some exciting stuff right See you guys. Later, guys thank you very much catch you soon Hi guys, uh, welcome back, and we're going to, well, we're into the community section now, how to the community, and um, I've had the pleasure of meeting uh, Tommy from Golem Painting, who's one of my, uh, one of my hobby heroes, without a doubt. Um, oh, you could, uh, you could, you could talk, get him one of their medals. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Just chucking that in there. But then he'll know now. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that we know. <laughs> So he he's the chap who painted um, Lehman Russ, uh, not Lehman Russ, sorry, Ragnar Blackbeam, uh, converted um, some of the modern miniatures to create a second edition style Ragnar Blackbeam, blonde hair and all. And um, he just ba- basically that model revitalized my my uh, love for the Space Wolf miniatures and uh, and got me back into doing them. What 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 do you mean blonde hair, Ben? He's called Blackbeam. I know. <laughs> um, so we're going to head over to um, that interview um, and I'll see you on the other side Hi Before we start, do you, um, how do you pronounce your second name? Sewell Sewell S-O-U-L-E Put that in because yeah. so many people get it wrong Sewell Yeah I've been calling you Tommy Sewell for like Sewell, Sule, <laughs> Sule. Yeah, everything Sewell, S-O-U-L-E as in Jewel J-O-U-L-E yeah. Awesome. So, Tommy, you are you're one of my hobby heroes, has to say. I'm oh, that's straight on the table straight away because um, when I got when I sort of drifted out of painting, it was um, it was your Space Wolf model, your Ragnar Blackman conversion. That, really? Um, yeah, that dragged me right back in because um, I had a Space Wolf arm in a box ready to go. Um, never painted them because I didn't feel I 
was happy with where my painting level was at to uh, do a decent enough job and not want to go back and redo them. Yeah. And just be able to put them to one side. And I saw him and it pulled all of my second edition memories forward and dragged in the new stuff. Oh, yeah. And I just fell in love with it. Absolutely. Do you know what? I'm so happy you said that. Yeah. Genuinely, yeah. Because the intention was to bring the old and the new together and show how cool the old stuff was and how yeah. mixed with today's technology, how awesome all the old stuff can be still. Yeah, you know, and because I, you know, I'm, I'm ancient now. I suppose. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, I'm not obviously, but you know, I'm I'm 39, and I do pine a little bit for the old days in some ways, uh, while simultaneously celebrating everything that's awesome about the new plastics. I'm a giant. I'm a plastic fanatic. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to let metal go. I'm happy to let resin go. I'm if you'd have to told let... me that the plastic would take over metal five years ago, I'd have said. No, thank you. But now I'm completely converted. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, like plastic all the way. And I, I've been trying to make plastic armies, complete plastic armies, since probably 2005, something like that. Mm. You know, which is before the, the 3D print type, 3D design type yeah. sculpt things. Have come around. Of which the giant was the first one. I remember the giant. I remember we got so many of those to try and shift at Games Workshop Plymouth that I think we were sat on stock for quite a long time. But they were a fabulous model. Yeah, I think they still are. Yeah, they're really cool. It hasn't aged really at all. No, no. Weirdly, somebody says it looks like me when I'm going to get older. (laughs) Yeah, I've done mine with big long grey hair, which doesn't quite see. Yeah. I miss me hair, to be honest. I've got a Jean-Luc Picarding of the scalp. (laughs) Yeah, I I used to have long hair, and I remember when I shaved it, first time I tried to headbang, oh, man, I thought my head was going to snap off. (laughs) Because the the weight difference, the centrifugal force, was all taken up by the hair, and it was all taken up by the joint where my skull meets my neck. Yeah, it's not bad that hurt for for a bit. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, plastic. Plastic, yeah, is, is the way forward. Now you know, there's certain facts about plastic as well that uh, that count, regardless of how much we all love the heft of metal, mm. you know, or the the hype around resin. I'm going to say hype. Mm. You know, some people think you get a better quality cast out of resin. Yeah, sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. Um, plastic. All times you do. And mm. when it comes to crispness and detail now, plastic trumps everything. Yeah. Absolutely trumps everything. You know, um, plastic, it's easier to fix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it doesn't chip. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's cheaper. And it's got a lot of... You talk about the weight of a model, but I think the weight is something that really benefits model design. When you look at some of the stuff from Shadespire, for example, you can't make that out of metal because they're suspended by wafts yeah, of yeah, a cloak. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Um, it would just fall over and destroy itself under its own weight if it was metal. Is, right, when I when I was younger, you, you'd hold a metal model and it was the heft. You know, I was just like when I pick up a plastic model, I was like, yeah, yeah. Mm. And when you're younger, it's like the fact that these things are made out of metal. Yeah. You know, it's not a toy. It's made yeah. out of metal. It's something yep. more than a toy. You know, but once I'd got over that, because that's just an idea. Whereas things that make plastic better aren't ideas. No. They're just facts. 
Yeah. You know, and when I clicked with that, I was just like, do you know, I've got to let that idea go because that's just me having an idea. Mm. You know, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on like that in the hobby, if I'm honest. A lot of ideas people hold on to that are really holding them back. Yeah. You know, and if you're conscious that they're just ideas and you still want to keep hold of them, then yeah, crack on, man. Yeah. You know, go for it. Because I'm still a retro freak. I'll, I'll still go looking for, you know, like, it's a a classic old metal model, Games Day Arc. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, the yeah. axe above the head. I don't know when, what year it was, 96 or something, maybe? I think so. I'm, freaking, I'm guessing. Yeah. Really, but you all know the one. Brian yeah. Nelson Arc, axe above his head. What a great model. Yeah. You know, truly great. And, uh, yeah, um, what else? Gene Steeler Patriarch. The big fat one. Yeah, on the, yeah. Sat on the throne. Yeah. Um, the like, old Warhammer Quest model, the skeleton on the throne. I can't remember. Oh, I don't know that one. Keller's Keep. Or is that Hero Quest? I'm sure your viewers will be swift enough to... Uh, Hero Quest had a skeleton on the throne. I think one of the add-ons. Yeah, it was Advanced Hero Quest or yeah. Warhammer Quest. Must be Advanced Hero Quest. But yeah, skeleton in the throne. Like, yeah. I had to get one of those. I um when I first started the hobby, the first paint set I had was the Imperial Space Marine paint set, with the little oh, red book. Wow. Um, so all the models in there were pre second edition, the Rogue Trader stuff. So I literally grew up trying to paint the Rogue Trader models, but paint them on the second edition plastic mono poster. You try and do the rank on the forearms, you know the yellow ranks they used to have. I, I didn't. No, not when I was that age. Well, I must have tried and failed a few times, but. Um, that's, it, that's, that's stuck in my head. And um, last year I got a box of eBay bits yeah. and redid 25 of those plastic road trader marines and that. Absolutely. And they, they are so, they look so current when they're painted in the current style. Going back to like a, what the first yeah. things we were talking about, that some people look at them and think they're current models, yeah. um, which is which is awesome. I've done the stripes on those. Yeah. Um, See, one thing I really loved from back then is that book really brings it home to me, especially on some of the Deathwing models and some of the Space Wolf models. Heraldry. Yeah. Yes. Heraldry on Space Marines, like, oh, you know, and to see checkers on the new Primaris Marines. Absolutely. Yeah, mm. absolutely. You yeah. Know, so let's, let's start putting those lieutenant marks and rank marks on forearms. Yeah. And, and yellow diamonds and what have you. Just, I think that's what know. sold me on the primaries. The first time I saw the helmet stripe, I was like, oh, everything else matters yeah. not. That is yeah. amazing. Um, and at Warhammer Fest this year, they had, a, they had a whole seminar on the heraldry of Space Marines by mm. the heavy metal team, and they were talking about those little decals and details. Really? Yeah, oh, it was really. You know, I've never been to Warhammer Fest yet. Really? Yep, never been. No. Did you go to Games Day? Yeah, it was a massive yeah. Games yeah. Day fan. Now, generally, when I, when I go to Games Day, I was a staff member. Yeah. You know, I was either working on a game or a number of times I helped out on Golden Demon as mm. one of the assistants there. Um, that's some time ago now, but I really enjoyed that. You know, I got to hold some real greats mm. in my hand, you know, and help some people win Golden Demons who wouldn't otherwise. Because it's interesting, it's really busy, it's really intensive doing a job like that whether you're a judge or whether you're um, just helping out mm. you know. and, I, and I can say that because you know I've done both you know I, I helped judge salute this year which was such a I don't know it'd be cliche and say it's such an honour because it was mm. you know to be asked yeah you know 
and I was fresh out of hospital at the time as well. Yeah. There was no way I was missing out. Um, and it was a real humbling experience, actually. Um, uh, you know, I was, I was going to put I was going to put this in an article or one of my own videos, but I'll I'll, I'll tell you now. You can have it first. <laughs> but in hindsight, um, I went into being a judge mm. with a wrong outlook, with a misconception, with a bad attitude, with whatever you want to call it. And on the other side of it now, I think it's really helped me grow because there was decisions made that with all my heart, I disagreed with at the time. And I was just like, I can't believe the other judges have made that decision, blah, blah, blah. You know, and a couple of other judges felt the same. I don't want to say any names. Cause, no, no, Because, no. well, it's, it's not that. It's because I'm wrong. This is the point. All right. I'm wrong, not them. And the reason is, is I went into this painting competition thinking as a painter, thinking as a painting studio, thinking as, um, well, just thinking as a painter, mm. you know, as the painter I am, or the painter people see me as, blah, blah, blah. And, well, painting competitions aren't just about painters. You know, you think about salute. Well, salute's a gaming group, really, isn't it? Mm. You know, whether you're a painter, whether you're a gamer, whether you even... Whether you want to go with an unpainted army, whether you're just in a background, well, your opinion counts because this hobby is for everyone. Absolutely. And that's the bit I forgot, mm. you know. And what matters is if a model is chosen and it's not up to my standards as a some freaking hoo-ha painter, well, then that's right because it's not just painters' opinions that count. You know, it is for everyone. Everyone's mm. opinion counts. So, you know, if you're a painter that's good enough where you can tick everybody's boxes, then you're a good painter. Mm. You know, painting, you know, it is a hobby. It's about fun. Some people say it's bread and butter, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that's that's your business, not the competition's business mm. or the, the, the hobby's business or the judge's business, you know. Mm. So... It, it it helped me realise that it ain't about it ain't about me, it ain't about being a great painter, it ain't about being like for example when you go to a tournament, you know, you get vote, yeah. best army votes. Yeah. Is yeah. it ever the best painted army? I'm gonna use bunny ears, best painted army yeah, that yeah. wins. No, it's always the fun. Yeah. Funnest painted army or the most eye catching army. Mm. You know, so what does the word best mean? I mean, well, it depends who's looking at it. Absolutely. You know, if you yeah. get some some snooty top end painter who really knows what he's on about, I say snooty. That's not necessarily right because mm. everybody gets out there. I'll be what they want. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes we think we're right. Yeah, and that was the lesson. Yeah, I ain't right. I've just got my point of view. So in the end, after a few days of cooking over it, <laughs> I uh, I realised that all the right decisions were made. Yeah, you know the judges as well. They have there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure, and not enough time to feel that pressure properly to deal with it. Mm. You know, and that was that was an interesting experience. I was fresh out of hospital as well. You know, literally, I had a, a meter of bowel removed. Yeah, yeah, I had a, a poo bag fitted to me. Everything <laughs> it was all gross. You know, I was 
And I, it was the first time out of Manchester I spent it on my own. Like, I really shouldn't have been yeah. up and about. I, mean, I was that fresh. Yeah. Know, the scar was like six inches long. Yeah. You know, excuse me. So, so yeah, they're, they're that. Yeah, being a, being a judge, working. So, in fact, this is, this is the point. Anybody who's got a complaint about uh, a judging decision or don't like a competition for this reason or that reason, blah, blah, nah, no. It ain't about it ain't about you, mm. you know. Unless a competition goes in, go unless a competition is started saying right, this is for painters by painters judged in X Y, and then you go in with your eyes open. Off yeah. you go, you know. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, I hear some painters who say, "Oh, the judges should have been doing this." The judges should know. The judges should do exactly what the judges do. And if you haven't given the judges what they want, then you need to go and get to know the judges for next year. Yeah, yeah. And give them what they want because that's what judges want. Yeah. You know? And end, end of done. <laughs> yeah. And painting competitions have kind of exploded over the last sort of 10 years, really. I mean, Golden Demons seem to be it, and now there seems to be so many more. Which one's your favourite? I forget the full name of it, the Crystal... Crystal brush. Crystal brush. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Do you know what? I tend not to follow crystal brush too much anymore. Really? Yeah, I mean... My head has been low in the community over the last couple of years. Recently, I've been popping up a little bit more. Yeah. But being ill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, You've got to like, prioritise. Yeah. yeah, so it's like... It's probably been like two years, the real ill period. Mm-hmm. You know, mentally ill, physically ill. Um, it's not often you get to say, well, you know, when a consultant tells you, you know, this is a, as bad as it gets, the next step is you're dead. Mm. You know, that's how ill. Um, it's not often you get to hear something like that. And it, 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 it's. Um, you believe me, I'm going on about. Don't edit all this, by the way. I'm happy for <laughs> all you guys in podcast land. Yeah, you can hear me out, and so I literally, I literally think and feel. Yeah, and I'm happy for people who just experience me as I am. Um, what am I trying to say? Um, crystal brush. Yes, we're a crystal. Brush. I digress. I'd forgotten as well. No, I, <laughs> I was trying to think right, where we were going. Brush. Um, so, I mean, I really love getting to workshop. I really love everything I do with all of it. You mm. know, so I'll pay attention to. Um, I pay attention to who's winning what, mm-hmm. you know, and I just love looking at um, um, all the latest updates, you know, especially like David Soper's work blows me away. Yes. You know, absolutely, just just blows me away. Richard Gray blows me away. He's, everyone, everyone just works so hard, you know, and there was a thing on Facebook recently with people naming names of British painters, and that's... You know, I'm very interested in a lot of the British guys because they're so nice. I've not, I've not met one that's competitive, mm. and that's that's a big thing for me because I mean I'm not competitive. I don't paint for competition. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I've entered Golden Demon twice in my life. Um, once when I was about twelve, when the store, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when the stores did regional yeah. competitions, and I got a commended entry at the at the regional level. Um, which back then, yeah, you know, it's not not all that 
to be bothered about. And then the other time was like 2011, 2015, 2000 something. Mm. All right. And um, I, I entered the Bane Blade. I actually painted in Bude. Really? I painted the Bane Blade. In fact, Painted it partly in blue, viewed and partly in the Truro store. Right, yeah. When the Truro store had windows. The Truro store had so, windows. Crikey. <laughs> so that's that's um, some time ago because obviously I know the Truro store has no windows now. Um, so I can't um, remember the Truro store not having no windows. Really? Yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. So I lived in Beauty in 2008, 2009, 2000. 2008, summer 2008. I was one of those Cornish folk who lived that way. All Cornish we, folk lived that way, and uh, <laughs> and everything everything west. I just I didn't look that way because right, okay. I was working in Plymouth, so yeah, my yeah. my gaze went but, east because yeah. I just moved down, and I suppose yeah. I, I I very rarely, if at all, visited Truro. So. Yeah, it's a nice place to visit. It was by then, but anyway, yeah, I I, I entered in. Some time, I think it was 2015, mm. 14, 2015 actually. I had a Bane blade um, that I'd painted years earlier yeah. um, in Cornwall. Um, and it was such a crack. It was so much fun. Mm. I, I mean, I was overjoyed t- to see my tank being judged with everybody else. I came away with a finalist pin. I really? was so happy, yeah. I was over the moon, you know, but this thing took me months to paint. Mm. And I was like, that was so much fun. You know, but I I had no uh, preconceptions about anything. It was it was there because um, another top painter was Alfonso Giraldez. I don't know how you'd say his, his name because uh, I'm not Spanish. He is. Um, <laughs> I, I, Maybe I it's just a thing with painters' yeah. second names. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I picked him up from the airport because he needed he needed a, a lift to to go Golden Demon in at that year as well and. Um, it was so nice being with him, and he, he, he said I should enter. Mm. You know, it's like it's almost like a duty for painters to support competitions, and you know, that's a very interesting perspective. It is, yeah. Well, be well, use it or lose it. Yeah, you know, and so I did. You know, mm. but I'm not. I'm not competitive. I don't. I don't paint to win anything. I don't paint to be better than anyone. You know, I paint to get better. Yeah, you know, yeah. but it's because I enjoy the, the. I enjoy chasing an idea. Yeah, yeah. You know, like non-metal metallics, for example. You know, that's it's like a Rubik's cube. You like, you just got to do it. Mm. You know, how does it fit together? How does it work? You know, um, and there is a a formula like that for non metals There's a few. Well, I I use a few. There's like there's lots of different ways of approaching it. There's some interesting I found while on that on that journey. Of trying to get better. I spent the last month watching videos on non-metal metallics. Oh, how did that go? Uh, I don't really watch them. I, I, um, I, I suppose it, for a time it left me more confused than it did okay. with answers. Why? Um, I suppose because everyone had their own unique style of doing it mm. and had their own way of approaching it. And unless you went just for a sword and said this is how you do a sword in a basic way you start to move outside of that kind of box you mean like a, a fax machine type idea if, yeah. if they, they if they paint a line you paint a line if they put a yeah. shade somewhere you put that shade in the same place yeah and I could do that with a sword but when it was yeah. applied and even when I started to 
watch videos about the theory and um, I still found it a little bit intimidating. I mean, we've spoken about this yeah, before yeah. and I I suppose what I need to do really is sit down with a model and just do it. I think I've done enough thinking about it. Non-Mets is overthought in all the wrong areas and underthought in all the right areas. That's that's my opinion. It's yeah. based on a lot of experience. Um, and if you were to just use a little bit more knowledge and make better decisions as opposed to increase your skill, as someone mentioned mm. the other day, yeah, um, you will just get better at non-metal metallics. It's mm. just a matter of fact, you know. So this you might say this this this. There's two ways of, of approaching non-mets, and this is something I teach on on my non-met course. Which, I, sorry everybody, I've not ran in a long time, but I've, I've, I've been away, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, <clears throat> the first one is, is is just paint everything like a jewel. Mm. Do you know how you paint yeah. jewels? Yeah. All right. Now there's 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 a key to this here. All right. If it is flat, the area you're painting is flat. Painting like a jewel, which is dark at the top, fades to light at the bottom. You don't have to be good at blending, by the way, just a staged, yeah, a stepped or layered or whatever term you want to use for putting paint, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. from one color to another, transitioned. You know, it doesn't have to be perfectly blended or anything like that. People think that's in a must. No, it's not a must. Um, so yeah, dark at the top, fade to light at the bottom with a, a white catch light at the top. Yeah. And if you can paint everything that way, if it's a flat panel, mm. then go for it. All right. And whenever you do these things, just never have your lights and your darks meeting. You know, so um, obviously this is a visual thing. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, people at home are going to struggle with this. But, you know, um, I wouldn't have light up to there and light up to there. Yeah, no, I yeah. Light yeah. and light and light. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, it's a very synthetic way of approaching it or a cartoony way of approaching it or whatever but it works yeah it works you know and there's some great examples out there of it working where you know in fact i challenge everybody and anybody to to try and paint a model using this rule of jewel over the entire model just try and make it work try not to let your darks meet darks your lights meet lights try and get this 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 idea all over the model and it will teach you something mm. right It'll teach you about um, what looks cool on a model in that way. All right. Um, the next way is is stop thinking about it. All the answers are on the model already. Just look at it where the light bits. Put your paint there. Don't ask yeah. any more questions. <laughs> yeah. Stop yeah. making it hard. Yeah. What's with all this theory and yeah. you know and oh you've got to understand our light. You don't have to understand anything. It's there. Is that right in front of you? You could point to where to put the light paint on that shoulder pad now, can't you? I could, yeah. Why yeah. don't you just put the paint there? And yeah. that's it. That's and when that penny dropped to me, just okay, that's what I'll do. You know, and everything just fell into place there. So then, what starts to happen is through painting the model with this rule of jewel idea constantly, you start to understand how paint, uh, not how paint, how yeah, how paint looks cool on a model regardless of how light shines on it, mm. you know. And then you have this idea you, 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 where you take thinking out of it and you just go, right, well, there's some light, I'll put some paint there. Mm. Easy peasy, 
Yeah, and you go right, and then you think how, and then you find out how that actually does work on a model. Yeah, and then, yeah. You know, you can adjust the model. You can see where light might look no good, uh, and where light might look amazing. Yeah. You know? So then you go, oh, hang on a minute. Well, I start to see a lot of ruler jewel in this in this very real idea as well. And you go, all right. So you start to merge the pair. And this is how my journey starts. Start going, all right, okay. Well, where this fails, I can use this idea. Where that fails, I can fall back to that idea. Mm. And neither of them really require thinking about. No. And it's interesting. This is why I say things are overthought in the wrong areas, underthought in the right areas. It's simple if you think it's simple. Yeah. It's yeah, hard absolutely. if you think it's hard. It's being intimidated by it. it puts too much in your brain. I think and that was a breakthrough for me. Sorry. No, I think one of the, the things that... Um, that's almost defined this sort of generation of paint painting from the company's perspective. So Vallejo and Games Workshop is, or, and particularly Army Painter, is finding paint schemes or ways of painting that have simplified it from the outset rather than yeah. here's a box of paints, crack on. Off you pop. Yeah. yeah. And now you've got the sort of base colour and it tells you which base colour. Yeah, yeah. And then the wash and then the layers. There's a lot of hand-holding, but I think that really helps. Yeah, yes and no. Yes and no. So, it, I think there's, there's more people could be getting better results quicker in painting sessions by doing less work. Now, what generally that means is, is, is using less products. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, at the same time, the upside is is people get a lot more satisfaction sooner because they're getting better results easier. So they're buying more models, painting more models, and enjoying it for a longer period of time. Mm. Now, the more handy holdy you, you get with certain things, then well, you, you, you're taking a personal skill away from somebody. You're saying, right, well, I'll tie your shoelaces for you. I'll tie your shoelaces yeah. for you. This will yeah. tie your shoelaces for you. Oh, mummy will tie your shoelaces for you. And the moment you don't have that product, you don't have, uh, say, your flow enhancer or your, your uh, evaporation deteriorator or <laughs> what, yeah, whatever yeah. else it is, yeah. you know, you know, there's a skill taken away from you, you know, and or at least an awareness taken away from you. You know, somebody's always tying your shoelaces for you, you know, mm. fall on your face at some point. Now, to be honest, right, having said that, if somebody's having fun, yeah, and getting results regardless of that, then you're doing the hobby right. Yeah, the true truth. Just doing it right, yeah. you know. Um, but personally, for me, I like, I like to chase skills and knowledge, you know. Because uh, you, you, I mean, you've got your Severin here. I believe his name's Severin. Severin, yeah. yeah, the one I did in Truro. And um, you know, you've used so few paints. When, and whenever you yeah. put your photos up on Instagram, or it's like three paints or four paints, and it's a yeah, yeah it, like two. Um, as Dan will attest, when I paint, it's like a sea of open <laughs> paint pots. <laughs> I create a fortress of paint yeah. pots, and I'll dip into so many different ones. That I, I sometimes think that what I'm lacking as a painter is discipline. Um, are you having fun? I'm having a hoot most of the time. <laughs> Job done. <laughs> Job done. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. It depends on what your objective is, isn't it? If, I mean, if you want to level up, then 
yeah, limit yourself, take some things away. I think I think objectives are a really interesting word because I know Dan, if he was here, would talk about how he's been overwhelmed by the amount that he has to paint. Um, and I do feel that. I mean, I've got a hobby collection built up from working in Games Workshop where things are a lot cheaper. So yeah, yeah. you tend to buy the releases as they come out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I look at that sea of grey plastic either on the sprue or built and it is intimidating so yeah, yeah. one of my huge objectives is to just get the stuff done yeah. um, but at the same time I want to paint quality models and there's yeah. some armies that fall in like one end of the spectrum like my space walls I really try and do a good job with those but then my iron snakes were all about just painting a company of them mm. so I, I really stripped down what I was doing to try and mm. find a faster way of doing it and I find I get torn. And if I start painting a model and enjoy it, then the I want to paint as best as I can Ben comes in and yeah, everything yeah. slows down. And then yeah. and then that um, a good example is 50 goblins that I painted recently. And I thought this will take me a couple of days because I'll just brown, wash, done. And I slowed myself right down because yeah. I was enjoying painting them. That's a tricky place to be. That, yes. isn't it? Well, yeah. you know, again, well, you've enjoyed yourself. Maybe something, maybe there's something in there trying to get out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Maybe there's a better painter in you, which I believe for everyone, by the way. I think whoever and however good you are, if you think you're no good at painting, then you are wrong. I believe everyone can be great at painting. All you're lacking is, is certain knowledge. Mm hmm. Is as opposed to skills, you're just not aware of something. Even if you've got a shaky hand, you know, I've taught people all walks of life with all sorts of abilities and disabilities, you know, whether they be mental or physical. Um, and they've got results because it's, it's about choice, you know. So, for example, if you're if you're starting to enjoy an army, because I, I, I go through this, right, I'm just going to smash this army out. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. this guy's top. Yeah. You know, well... There's a passion there that's just awoken in you. Go yep. with it, man, because yeah. you're going to level up there. You're going to go. You're going to try things. You're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. And things will start coming out of you naturally, you know. And you'll look back at that model. And you'll go, "That was top." Yeah. And when you start painting another another model, you know, oh, I remember what I did on that guy. Right, okay, you'll start painting that, and you'll have that little emotional attachment. Someone in this guy then will level up, you know, and that's that's just how it seems to happen. That's how not mets happened for me. Mm. But then at the same time, this idea, because what's holding you back or forging you forward again is is ideas. Yeah, it's it's things in your head. I don't know, if, you know, <laughs> can't write a book on this stuff, but maybe I, maybe I will do one day. But a, a lot of the things that forge us forward or hold us back with painting are all ideas in our heads. Um, or knowledge or opinions or whatever and so you, you mentioned earlier on that you know this this army might be a, a high high quantity low quality yep, paint yep, job yep. you know on the other hand you've got a low quantity high quality paint job they're just ideas people think that's that's what that is you know but I, I said to you the other day a good line painted in a good place takes the same amount of time as a bad line painted in a bad place. So what's the difference? Well, the difference is the choice the, pe the person who's executing the line makes or not. Mm. 
you know what I mean? I'll make better choices when prepping everything, you know, and I'll make them quicker through practice. But I'll just make better, more... <coughs> what was? I will make more informed choices when preparing my brush to paint a line than, than you might. Yeah. And I'll make them quicker because it's all practiced in. But ultimately, when that brush goes to that model, I'll put a better line in a better place than you will. So the difference is, is you're just missing some knowledge that will help you do that. So then when you take that idea, you go, well, hang on a minute. Well, if it takes just as long to paint a good line in a good place and it does to paint a bad line in a bad place, then where's this idea that there's low-quality, high-quantity armies come from and high-quality, low-quantity <laughs> models come from? Now, there's no doubt in my mind that there is a difference at the same time. Yeah. But you can paint well quick. You can. Yeah. yeah. You know? So you just got to start spotting. You know, this is why I use a, a dry palette. It helps to highlight or disclose even um, what you need to work on. You know, a wet mm. palette will hide some of your mistakes, like they'll tie your shoelaces for you. You know? Uh, they seem to be the in the thing at the moment, don't they? Wet palettes. Well, because they make life easy. Yeah. So people think, you know. But if, in fact, you know, here you go. Let's, let's we get a brush out and do some painting. So again, I, I like when I, whenever I teach, right? I like I like to teach. Um, I like to teach using just facts where possible. I try and keep my opinions out of it. Yeah. Because. You know, it's it's somebody's hobby, you know, and I, what I'll teach is cause and effect. You do X, Y will happen. You do A, B, and C, X, Y, Z will happen. Mm. You know, not not my opinions, not not anything. It's just so you then can make informed decisions on how you ought to express yourself. You know, if you want to be an artist, you want to do some kind of political statement, or if you just want to smash out 30 or a guy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Whatever it is, I'll say these are the causes, these are the effects. You know, off you go. You're now informed. Mm. You know as much as I can. So if I if I do a do a quick wet palette diagram. So the other thing as well is I'm going to ask you all the questions because again, um, I want it to be about you and a new way of thinking. So this is our this is one way about how I think about painting. Uh, so there, there's your wet palette diagram. Yeah. There's your water. Yeah. Do you like me water diagram in that top? Right, so. <clears throat> being good at painting is about control, yes or no? About control Ooh, of your paint. I would say yes. Yeah, yeah, you'd be crazy to say no. Right, so having control over your paint is... Uh, is like paramount really control over how much moisture is in it control over how much yeah. you've got control yeah. con control 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 and i find moisture control quite difficult because when yeah. i paint things seem to dry out a lot faster yeah. than i think so is it is it is something to, to you said things seem when say again this is just about how we think things seem to dry out faster I would think I let the paint dry out faster. Which one do you have control over? Yeah. So immediately you're empowered by the, by the way you think the paint dried out. Oh, 
Moan, 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 the paint, the paint, the paint. Paint only has two jobs to do. Be your colour and dry. If it doesn't do either of them things, then yeah. it is useless to us. Yeah. So, so, so stop blaming the paint for mm. doing its job. It is doing its job and it's doing it really well. Yeah. Brilliant. You know, when I was a kid, you had to leave paint overnight, two, three days with all airfix kits. You know. The old enamels. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. so, so, I, you know, when it comes to temperature and things like that, that's a big moment for some people. I learned in a really hot game, so it was like 40 degrees in summer it was in mm. the store. There was no air conditioning. We used to have kids faint, pass out, <laughs> smash their heads in. Like, honestly, I'm not lying. It's, it, it, it happened. Yeah. You know, because the place was so hot and packed. Mm. You know, and yeah. that, that was my working environment. That's where I learned to paint non-mets, believe it or not, in store. So I've got to thank the boss there for that because... Really, really gave me an opportunity. But we made that store rock. It's such a great place. Games Workshop Manchester, everyone. Go go there and uh, enjoy it because it's a top place. Anyway, all right, wet palette. Control. So water goes from the base of the tree, up through the sponge, up through the paper, into the paint. Yeah? Yeah. How much control over that capillary action do you have? I would say once you've set it up, not a great deal. I would say a complete zero. Like, and if you could get any control, you're probably wasting your time trying to get that tiny amount of control. Yeah, yeah. So already you're on to a loser with a wet palette. Evaporation. Now, I'm not talking about Adding water, I'm talking about evaporation. Mm. How much control do you have? Yeah, I'd say you have more than the wet palette because you're looking at your drying lights and things. You're shrugging your shoulders, as a no. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, like, let's say you want your paint to dry out sooner or lesser, you're going to start bringing lights in and moving things. Do you know mm. what I mean? The effort to, to control the evaporation is actually quite a lot. Yeah. You're talking about on a cold day, on a warm day. Is your heating on? Are the windows open? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's so many variables when you're trying to control all these mm. things. Like, is it worth even discussing? You know, you can say, yeah, if you want to happily discuss it. But when you think about the logistics of trying to control evaporation, you could add a flow, not a flow, a, a retarder, for example. Like a medium. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, there's one way. But are you really controlling evaporation? Uh, you, you're holding it off a little bit, mm. you know? But are you going to do that with a wet palette? Don't know, maybe. You know, but it's all a bunch of ums and ahs and maybes, and there's no clear cut nature to any of it. Mm. So that's where everything starts to then break down for me. Yeah. You know, so I use a dry palette. I've been using a wet palette for a long time, by the way. I'm not sat here going, oh no, I'll never use one of those things. Yeah. You know, I, I know the score with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I use a dry palette. So immediately I take one of these zero control factors out. You know, I take the saturation factor out. I'm I'm fully in control of how much water goes into my paint. Yeah. Fully in control. So I'm fifty percent more in control than somebody who's using a wet palette. You know. So Meg Maples did a uh, if you if you know Meg Maples. I don't know. She's a, Top painter. She used to paint for P3. She now does a lot of freelance work. Mm. She did a Facebook post or a blog post recently. Um, 
highlighting an issue she was having with a wet palette and it's exactly what I'm talking about now. Mm. You know, and it, mm. it's just one of them things. You know, so let's say you've got this paint here on your wet palette and you left it ten minutes. How much more dilute is it? <laughs> I have yeah. no idea. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And who does? Because yeah. you don't know how much more diluted. At what rate is it being diluted? Mm. You know, is your sponge a, a fast capillary action? conveyor or you know what kind of paper you, do you know what I mean there's so much that you, you don't really know yeah you do not know what I know is my paint is definitely drying yeah I know it's definitely not getting wet unless yeah. I tell it to yeah see what I mean so yeah. I'm in control so they're just that's just some facts you know so then what it does is it takes away from you the ability to, to see and learn how to manage your paint. Because you won't do. Well, you, 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 you'll try by adding more paint. You'll try by adding more water. You'll try by adding less water, but ultimately you're not in control of it. That's yeah. the point. You know. But you know, on a dry palette, you'll always add more paint. You'll always add more water. So, yeah, you're not really lost anything there. If any of that makes sense. This is very interesting. I um, I hadn't thought about it like that at all. No, well, I, but that's that's the thing, you know. Somewhere along the line, this 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 hobby or craft—I prefer to think of it as a craft. As far as hobbies and crafts go, it's a really young one. Yeah, really, really, really young one. Aren't you? you might say, "Oh, yeah, people have been paying little dolls to put in yeah. crypts yeah. in." Samaria yeah. 10 million years ago well, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, but it's not this yeah. so we've got a pretty young craft here mm. and it hasn't been refined you know it's not like basket weaving basket mm. weaving that there's a refined art you know something like that and <clears throat> and it's progressed very quickly yeah exactly yeah, yeah. it's progressed very quickly but it, it's, it's not been refined in no. that progression and well, we take a lot of things. We think this is how you paint. Well, that's a way to paint. You know, oh, this is how you paint. This is how you paint that. And it's all dogma. Yeah. And it's you need to take that dogma away. You know, even when I teach, I I, I suppose I I teach a lot of like here's some facts. You might go, oh, well, Tommy said these are the facts. You know? yeah. No, yeah. no, no, don't do that. Don't don't yeah. don't try it. Mm. You know, prove it. Prove me right. Prove me wrong. But do it with facts, not opinions, you know. And that's very much how I like to paint and how I like to teach to paint. Because of that, because our hobby is so young, it's not been through that refined idea. Um, and we're stuck in a lot of opinion yeah. and yeah. Um, product-reliant methods of painting. Yeah. If you yeah. want to be a better painter, then start reducing the product, you know. Yeah. If you want great results, then, you know, if you just want results you're happy with and a product gets you there, go for it. You know, yeah. absolutely go for it. Or if you really just want results, then hire a commission painter. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it is about objective, mm. you know. Um, here you go. I've digressed a little bit. I'm going to show you the, uh, the, 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 the answer. because so I've just left you in the lurch about a wet palette. <laughs> I'm not telling you actually what it is I do and look for. 
because um, <coughs> this is a biggie. So if I take this paint all right, and I put it on the palette there. Now first, I, I have to clarify one thing. There's a difference between, there's two types of happenings. If I said something is happening, there are things you can see happening and things that you know are happening. For yeah. example, if I said my finger is waggling now, yeah, you can see it happening. Yeah. If I said my heart is beating, you can't see that happening. Yeah. Yeah? But you know it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just put this paint on the palette there. If I say to you, what is happening? What can you visibly see and point to? and what What's happening? Well, I would say it's drying. Show me the show me the movement of it. Point to it. Well, so it's drawing in. Is it? A little show, bit. show me the movement. Well, I can't see it moving. So yeah. that is a heartbeat happening. That is something yeah. you know is happening, but you can't see it happening. Now, if I get a hairdryer on it, you'll see it goes. You'll see yeah. it mat out, won't you? Yeah. But right now, there's there's nothing happening, and that's that first preconception that I try and get through with a paint. Everyone says it's drying. I'd have had it written on a bit of card here. I'd have to go like, you were going to say it's drying. Because <laughs> everyone, 100% of people say, it's drying. Yeah. They, you can't see it drying. Mm. You know it's drying. Even if, even if, like, in a couple of seconds, let's just draw it out. Like, we, we will see this bit as dried. But we won't see it going, moving and yeah. particles flying off it. Yeah. You know, we just know it's drying. We know there's movement there. But we make an assumption that we can see it. And we can't. You can't see it drying. You can't see it moving. Because it's not moving. It's just there. It's just on the palette. Now, in stark contrast to that, what's happening? It's diluting. Yeah. Describe it more. More words, more facts. So you've got... Um, you've, Tommy's put a puddle of water on the palette and puts a, a blob of paint in it. Um and it's kind of spreading out into the blob of water and diluting. It's getting more transparent. It's doing loads of stuff. It's doing loads of stuff, yeah. That's the point. And you can see it happening. Yeah. So, you got these two ballparks. I'm always looking for the guy in between. So, what's happening? With which one? This one. It's thinning out. Yeah, but it's not like that guy, is it? No. And it's not quite like that guy, is it? No. And I could go a little bit further towards this set of properties, or I could go a little further towards that set of properties. Yeah. All right. Which one of those would get me, which area within this ballpark here, would get me an ideal base coat? What I mean by an ideal base coat is something that's as thin as possible and as opaque as possible. Well, now we've just been through this little fact-finding mission, we can make an informed decision on a dry palette and go, right, this guy will get me the most opaque coat of paint as thin as possible. Yeah. 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 And there it is before your very eyes. No <laughs> opinions. No... I nearly swore, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no bull boob. Yeah. Right? About this consistency of milk crap. Mm. <gasps> Dogma. Oh, it should be the consistency of milk. What does it mean? Yeah. You know? 
what kind of, you, I, I get all fussy about it, saying, oh, what kind of milk, what kind of, <laughs> you know, but it depends what you want to do. Would you, would you say, would you get chaos black paint, for example? Would you water that down on the consistency of milk and then say sunburst yellow? And what, would you use them in the same way, in the same, you just wouldn't, would you? No. So this this idea they, that they're very different, idea. aren't they? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're different consistencies, different um, opacities. You know, yeah. they work different over different colours. Mm. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't mix um, yellow to the ideal consistency and then whack it over black, for example, and expect to get results. You wouldn't, but you would for black over yellow. Mm. Blah blah blah. So you need to tailor make your consistency to every pot of paint over every brand over every type every time because every pot of paint is like a little soul <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they are, they, they've got their own properties in their own right yeah. so you need to learn how to manage it having a wet palette isn't good enough yeah that just adds more variables to what already is an almost infinite variable yeah I mean just <clears throat> over say Vallejo alone mm, the mind's going to boggle you know, Vallejo Black's different to Games Workshop Black, different yeah. to Army Painter Black, different to, you know, different. Yeah. So yeah. how can you just say, oh, consistency of milk is the ideal? Well, it's crap, you know. So then, again, you know... I, it's a one-size-fit-all answer, isn't it? Or yeah. attempting to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just dogma. It's just people repeating this idea. Oh, the for, forum knows best. Oh, this guy said. Yeah. You know, or this yeah. blog said. No, no, no. You know... We are out of time. Well, we're going on to 50 minutes. Wow. wow. One last thing then. Yeah. So I've just shown you three ballparks. Yeah. Which one of those is a bad consistency? I would say the thicker one was the worst. Which one would you use for dry brushing? I would use the thicker one for dry brushing. So, so this is this is the last point. Yeah. We can end yeah. on this bombshell. You know, people go on about the ideal consistency and it's not. It's yeah. tool for the job. Yeah. You know, you take your opinion out of it. Take dogma out of it. You know, start to see, start to learn to see the facts of what it is you are doing. Well, when I do this, this happens. Yeah. Well, if I want that, then I now now know what to do or what to not do to to get that or avoid it. Yeah. You know, start going down that route. You know, if you want to be a better painter, I'm talking to the world now, I'm talking to the phone. Genuinely think anybody can do this because yeah. it's just learning to see, see what is. Stop listening to all them people look down at your palette and go. I need control. How do I get control? What does control mean? Right, okay. X, Y, Z. Very much like I've just done with you. Yeah. You, know, you can go away now, or you could even pick up the brush now. You should make a much better informed decision right now without practice and get a better quality line. As a matter of fact, you should be able to do it right now. Yeah? Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's, that's just, that's what I teach. Brilliant. And I'm proper pious that everyone should should learn it that way because better results sooner less effort means more models sold more paint sold more happy people yeah more results yeah. just all in all it's just yeah. better in it it is so thank you well thank you for talking to me Tommy it's been brilliant I'm over the moon you came to be honest awesome so yeah cheers for that man thank you very much yeah <laughs> welcome back guys um, I hope you enjoyed that um, where do we go from here now? How do you, how do you top that, Dan? Well, I, I'm not really sure. I, where do we go from there? I think perhaps 
Maybe when you're gathering up CDs for your projects, you could ask Justin if he'd pop along and do an interview. Oh, dude, that's twice you've mentioned Justin Bieber on our podcast. I will drive up to Bristol and slap you. <laughs> in about two and a half hours, I'm going to lock my It'll door be worth just it. in case you do. <laughs> <laughs> No, so guys, if you if you haven't already, I very strongly recommend you subscribe to his YouTube channel, um, to Golden Painting's YouTube channel, um, and I strongly recommend you subscribe or like their Facebook page because um, you will not be disappointed. Um, it's just full of awesome hobby content. So we're going to move on now into the wilds, um, and the wilds are filled with the uh, the Welsh uh, this week. The Welsh and tiny um, people. Worse and tiny people. Yeah, t- oh yeah, tiny people. We're going to talk about tiny people. Um, so we will see you there. Bye, guys. Welcome back, guys. We are now into the wild places. So we're going to start with Ben's going to talk a little bit about Saga, aren't you, Ben? Oh yes, Saga. Yeah. So at the weekend played a absolutely massive game of Saga. Um twenty four points aside, I think it was. Which um is a lot. So for my small force of uh four points had over thirty miniatures. So we're talking about Yeah, I was gonna say, because I think am I right in thinking it's something like A game got is normally the levies, four points. haven't you? The really crappy ones. Yeah. Which are like twelve points. 12 for one point? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like eight for one point, four for one point, and the leaders. No, leaders are free, aren't they? Um, I don't know. Um, because I haven't actually, this is, it's my first game and I didn't create my war host. So, um, I don't really know. Um, but yeah, essentially the, the levies are just fodder. Um, Mm. they can be upgraded using your leader and using saga points. Um, so essentially every turn you generate a number of saga dice based on the units you have on the table, including your leader. Um, oh and- yes. And then you roll them, don't you? And yeah. different, different symbols let you do different things. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. you can, you cannot generate enough dice to move everything. Um, you could focus all of your energy into one unit. Um, but the more a unit does, past the first action the more fatigue, fatigue it gets yeah yeah so there's a really cool that's a really cool mechanism for dark age combat because um fatigue is a big part in that kind of warfare um they reckon that you can only last for maybe three or four minutes of high intensity close quarter combat before you'd get exhausted and really start to suffer even if you were fit um um doing reenactment i can i can't fully relate to the you know the dark ages but i've got some experience of that kind of combat and it's it is exhausting if you're going at it full on um two minutes is a long time let alone three um so to have that fatigue thing in there i loved it um, because you had to work to pick your units and and reduce their fatigue um and you didn't want to run across the battlefield um you, you know i had uh, playing the saxons i was quite heavily armed so I slowly moved my force across. Um, I got picked apart by javelin-throwing Welshmen, which was very, very frustrating. 
Um, another game uh, where I didn't make a single armor save the whole game. Not one. So actually, that entire <laughs> weekend, before the game of 40k, I'm fairly certain I didn't make a single armor save. <laughs> so Saga is by Studio Tomahawk. That's right, yeah. A gripping yep. beast, I think. Yep. That's right, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's awesome. And really, really good on an entry point. So yep. minimum warband, I think, is four points. Typical is yep. six. And I know you can buy... I bought a box for £22, plastic miniatures, and I have a painted four-point warband um, for Saga. No, I mean, the the only thing that is ridiculous is the dice. I mean, the dice are absolutely (laughs) phenomenally priced. I mean, I don't even know what planet they were on when they were were pricing them. Um, But anyway, you know, they are what they are. Um, But, you know, like you said, the model entry point is very good. Um, for two box sets, you'd probably looking at forty quid. Um, you'd have a significant army. Oh yeah, I'd quite like to get some berserkers. Yeah, I think for a point, and I was going to get some levy archers for a point. Yeah, to get up to six. Uh, one of the cool things about I think historical war games um, is that there are lots of people who are sculpting some astonishing stuff. Um, and you can use all of those in your warbands. Uh, really mix and match and make a, a lovely mm. kind of rich tapestry of individual models. Um, there's a Russian place that does oh, dozens some really Futsal stunning models. It's one of my particular favourites. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, like you said, the Gripping Beast models are, are, they are good plastics as well. I mean, they're not they're not Games Workshop quality plastics, but they're certainly good. Plastics um, for a very reasonable price. Um, yeah, fine. Yeah. In fact, I will make a note on my pad to put pictures I've got, up of the ones um, I've got. I've got some some of mine assembled, ready to paint. Um, another project to do. I really ought to do them actually, because um, there's a couple of guys, obviously, in our reenactment group of war gamers, and and it, this ties in very nicely. Um, and we just we've been itching to start a kind of campaign, but we've never got really round to it so i think there's some lovely terrain as as yes the foreground buildings for saga are amazing there's some fantastic there's i can't remember the name of the company um i will try and find the pictures of it um of resin village scenes that have three or four buildings on and oh my days (laughs) amazing like astonishing scenery um (laughs) <laughs> it's very difficult when you know the historical aspects, like kit-wise, um, when you're playing these games, because there's some of the models that I do look at and think, what is he wearing? Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, if you, you know, if you get, for a lot of people, that wouldn't even be an issue. But there, yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, loved the flow of the battle line. So the fact that if you win, but even if you don't kill people, you still force them back. You're still constantly pushing. Um, the only thing I thought that was missing from the mechanic was breaking units of troops, properly breaking them. Because if you've hit a unit of Huskarls and they've drubbed you and there's 12 of you and there's four of them, um, which is about even, um, and they've beat you back and killed three, then you might be able to rally around for a second pop at them. But you wouldn't do it a third time. No way. You would be like, I've had enough of that. <laughs> I am off. 
Um, somebody else can deal with them. <laughs> I'm going. And that isn't really reflected in the game because it is astonishing how much, even when you're reenacting, how much that kind of thing can have an impact. I, th- I was a bit disappointed that that mechanic wasn't in there, but otherwise I was very, very fond of it. It's very easy to learn, very quick to pick up. And like you said, the entry point is fab. Yeah, and they also do Crescent and Cross. They do. Yeah, they do. Um, for Crusade and bolt action stuff. Um, no, they don't. I'm sure they do bolt action. No, not bolt action. Not bolt, not bolt action. Bolt action is Warlord. Yeah, but the Warlord. Same come. No, we're talking about Gripping Beast. Yes. Yeah, you're right. It's okay, Ignore mate. Me. You don't have to affirm. I <laughs> no, I, <right>. I know. <laughs> Warlord do but they, they as well. Warlord do, yeah. So Warlord plastic, yeah. They're amazing. And I don't really want to talk too much about them because I do not want to go away from this conversation wanting to do a whole load of new stuff. Um, and it is bad enough that moving on slightly from Saga that TT Combat, who people will know we're quite fond of, having been down, Ben went down and did an interview, have just bought Hawk Wargame. Yes, they are. And, um, yeah, so random thing from my hobby past uh, a couple of years ago discovered drop zone commander and i love miniature scales so 10 millimeter scale and i went a bit mental <laughs> let's put it that way i think i got three and a half thousand points of ucm which is similar i suppose to a three and a half thousand point of, of say 40k but a smaller scale painted in about six weeks um, and then did a Scourge Army, which is their protagonist or antagonist or whatever you want to... I can't remember what way that works. But anyway, two and a half thousand points to them. Um, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do something else now. Sold the UCM. I've still got the Scourge. Um, it's a beautiful game. Absolutely beautiful. But so are lots of games. But now that the TT have bought it, I, I well, I'm just going to have to... <laughs> It increased my resistance, I think. Hold the line. Yeah. Yeah, hold the line. Yeah. I've uh, I've just checked sorry to go off topic and back again, but um the Warlord version of the model range is Hail Caesar of the Dark Age stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I got yeah. got myself confused there. Apologies. Yeah. Hail Caesar is a bit more massed battles though, I think. More regimented. Yeah. That rule set. Yeah. So um yeah, back to drop zone commander. I'm I haven't ever really got involved with it. I've watched you play it, as in I watched you from afar. I didn't see you play any games, and so it did look interesting. Um, it is. It's a great game. The rule book's dreadful. Like uh, all credit to to Dave who created it for creating a world, and it's easy for me to sit back and say, "Oh, that's dreadful," having not done it myself. But to navigate the rule book was an absolute pain in the backside and actually a big driving factor behind why we didn't continue really because we just found it so difficult to get to grips with all the mechanics right and then flick through and find all the blooming rules for the different units and because you didn't because we were new to it we didn't have that base level knowledge that you would maybe bring to warhammer Yeah. yeah Um, as a, Mind you, that said, I found the Age of Sigma hardback rulebook a nightmare to navigate to start with. Yeah, I know, and, and it isn't it isn't great, but it's amazing the impact it can have. So I really hope if TT are, well, they've said they'll be investing in it, you know, make that rulebook easy to use. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. 
Yeah, and make unit cards and things like easy referencing. That's what we need. Easy referencing. Well, seeing what they've done with their own games and what they've done with games that they've picked up, uh, they're really good at adding to the product, as in giving added value yeah. to a product. So I, I don't. I'm hopeful, um, and I'm gonna put money on it that you'll be back into playing that game before long. Which means well, you'll be trying to coerce me into collecting an army. <laughs> when I when I stopped my mad rush into playing that game, I had quite a number of the cardboard buildings that yep. they did, um, which were fine. They you know they did what they needed to do, and I gave them to to well I actually gave them to a chap on a Facebook site, and he asked me to leave them at big, and that was about twelve well. 18 months, two years ago, whatever it was. And he's never collected them. And I may have gone back to Jim and got them back. Really? That's <laughs> hilarious. So, um, yeah. Like smacking a gift really, stores. isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit odd, it's really. But, free yeah, products, I, um, you know, not even bothering to turn up. I was trying to make some space, but, uh, yeah, I could quite happily go back to that game, man. It's stunning. But, Control it. <laughs> I know. I'm That's the problem it. with doing this. Uh, this into the world section is that we're constantly looking around us, looking for things, you know, things that are going on. Um, and at the moment, dragging my attention. Oh, There's a lot yes. going on. <laughs> you got the the Batman models by um, Dark Knight. Oh, so nice. And I'd love to do that with a with a nice kind of modern board with all the TT combat stuff. They they do like a great Batman scenery set, and uh, and then there's the drop zone stuff and the saga. And I'd love to do like bolt action and do a twenty eight millimeter World War Two stuff. Oh dear, not can't do it all, no. my friend. Not well, not no, this week. Not enough time. Not enough time in our lives, dude. There we go. <laughs> Well, that's that's a bit of a morose um, way to end a podcast. Oh, let's drag it on. Let's find something else to talk about. We can find something else to talk about that's less miserable. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, we must think of something. Well, the fact that I saved my Scourge army, so I've still got that. I'll get some pictures of that. So you didn't Um, actually get rid of both of them then? No, no, I kept the Scourge. Because... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. The Scourge of the bad guys. Yeah. Oh, dude, there's something pathologically wrong with your mind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's such a cool background because the scourge have overwhelmed humanity and humanity have fled off the ucm have fled off and now the ucm have rebuilt their their empire and they're coming back oh, yeah. and invading and that's why it's all dropping in so there's loads of like air stuff and you've got little battle groups and your entire force needs to be able to start on these drop yeah. ships and it comes in and you drop it down. It's a very, it is a very cool game and a very cool concept. And it's very well executed as well, quality wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will show you it when you, when I see you next. I'll get some of the stuff out. But the, basically, I loved the UCM for the aesthetic, but the Scourge were the army that I felt fit my play style. Right. More. Yeah. Um, so that army was the one I was building to take to events and stuff. But I just, as I say, I, ju- I just couldn't get my head around the rules, um, like enough to play a reasonable place, yeah. pet place, pace, um, 
But yeah, you're probably right, man. I, I can't see me not going back because the main thing that stops me going to other games is the painting. Yeah. Getting things painted. And these guys, I can paint fast. Oh, well, they're not very big, are they? With the airbrush. No, no, they're only 10 mil scale, so they're only little. Um, awesome. So yeah, something else. So pictures of that, pictures of Saga to go up. Um, lots of things to be excited about, guys. Thank you so much. You keep interacting. We're seeing some great interaction on the podcast, especially about scones. That's been very yeah, that popular. Was Maybe pasties this week. Pasties, I think. Oh, but don't even get me started um, on how the Devonish do their pasties. I mean, that that it's just it's crazy. wrong in every way. Crazy crimping. Crazy crimping. Crazy. Oh, now we and have to do note, a post guys. of that now. Now we've said that. Oh, days. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Maybe crazy crimping. That'll be our. Maybe a fact. Maybe that could be a little uh, tagline, or maybe not. <laughs> so, episode eleven: uh, Justin Bieber crimping pasties and other assorted nonsense. Absolutely, sounds like a good title to me. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll catch you next time. See you later, guys. <laughs>